population explosion is almost over. Uh, it's low birth rates, but it's also stabilizing death rates. It, we can't get older and older forever. And uh, a lot of the increase in population that we've experienced is, is from longevity. But, but that explosion is also almost over. Even in places like India, the life expectancy is around 70. So when it, when it gets to 80 or 85, that will stop. More, more importantly, we're getting richer at an unprecedented rate. I don't mean people making over $250,000 a year. I mean people making under $25,000 a year in Bangladesh and Vietnam and parts of Africa and all over China. And that basically, it's the first decent break they've ever gotten. The first world was successful in the last century in clawing its way out of poverty. And in this century, it's the rest of the world. And the world is looking much more uh, uh, equal, even though individual countries are looking less equal because, let's say, a Chinese accountant is competing with a New York accountant that the two salaries are going to come closer together, not farther apart. Well, let me tell you something, Larry. Uh, On the salary side, we uh, we work with an online media business, and we have our back office, and a lot of these big uh, companies in the media business have their back offices in South Asia. And that's because they have such competent people at quantitative tasks, and their their salaries are a lot lower, and they do very well. That's right. And, but it's enough to make them middle class, which is an opportunity yep. that they didn't have really until the... Well, you're talking middle part. class in India, yeah, not that's middle fine. class in the United that's States. That's where they are. That's, what, well, that's yeah. where they are. Okay. But what do you, uh, what do you have to say about low birth rates in socialized Europe to the point of ne- uh, negative birth rate, right. as we are n- presently experiencing here in the last nine years in the United States. Here, I think it's because everybody aborts themselves. Um, but what are you, w- w- what are you going to fact? I mean, are you factoring the incredible increase in birth rates among the Muslim population that has overcome all of Europe? Therefore, the return of the Ottoman Empire, as far as I'm concerned, what that's going to destabilize. The economy of Europe, don't you? Don't you? Don't you agree? And you think you're going to keep on getting richer with Sharia law and uh, Muslim economies? I don't think so. No, I don't. I, I actually think the Muslim economies. Uh, in, this is not in my book, but it's certainly something I've thought about. Every religion has gone through its reformation and then a counter reformation. The, the Jews went through the reformation in the 800s. Uh, the, the Christians in the 1500s. And, and then there was some reaction where there was a religious revival where people started acting like religion was the only important thing in their lives. And the, the, the Muslim Reformation began in the 1950s and 60s. And right now we seem to be having peak counter-reformation. We have a religious revival that, that has become a, a threat to non-Muslim societies. And, and the birth rates are high, although they're not as high as, as they were 30 or 40 years ago. But... Uh, well, but, but my but my issue is uh, one thing is birth rate. Another thing is low productivity. They they haven't invented anything since the uh, I think the magnifying glass and the eyeglasses. Uh, they have a serious problem about innovation and uh, moving their societies forward. If they overwhelm Europe and Europe doesn't produce anymore, and people literally leave Europe because of the violence. What is it that we're? What is it that your book is heading um, that might be contradictory to what I just said? I mean, is your book uh, 
basically uh, foretelling what's what the middle class is going to look like, or what, what's the end game in your book? Since I haven't read it. Well, my book is, is both a history book and a forecast of the future, and I'm saying that the uh, countries that are more progressive in terms of innovation and uh, free enterprise are going to get ahead of the ones that aren't. And if Muslim immigration to Europe causes Europe to become even more socialistic and less innovative, then those countries will grow more slowly or have negative growth. You don't know actually what's going to happen in any specific situation, but you can observe long-term global trends, and they're very positive. So you believe, uh, are you concentrating in your book, is the meat of the matter uh, basically the social economic realities of the United States as uh, as you're looking at it, or is it more of a global book? It's a global book, and I think the United States is in a uniquely strong position because uh, we don't have, the, we're not being overwhelmed by unproductive people. We're, we're, we're Everybody in the world who wants to get ahead, have opportunity, sees the United States as the, the, the first choice, maybe the UK as their second choice, and we here in the U.S. are whining about how we can't seem to get anywhere and you know a lot of young people are sitting in their mother's basements playing video games well we're going to find out pretty quickly uh, whether there's opportunity here or not and the neighborhood next to me uh, is all immigrants and they all own three to five bedroom houses and they uh, seem to have uh, limousine businesses and gardening businesses and restaurants and well be, they, be very they, specific well since we're immigrant city we like to know no, what he's you're in Chicago. I, that's precisely why I'm asking him for, to be specific. You're, the neighborhood next to you is made up of uh, Russians, Middle well, Easterners, Indians. Okay, not so, particularly Hispanics. They're farther south. Larry, what do you make of the mass illegal immigration from Mexico and Central America? Obviously, I'm not in favor of anyone breaking any law. But I think that we make it so difficult to immigrate legally that we encourage illegal immigration, and then we don't enforce the laws. And we need a whole different system where we, illegal immigration is really uh, uh, a last choice for, for people who uh, exhausted the, their legal options, and then maybe they won't do it. Because he is right. You yeah. are right about that. We make it very difficult yeah, for but, illegal but the, immigration. My issue with that, though, is that this illegal immigration from Mesoamerica is really low human capital people. Well, they don't charge much either for the human capital. Right. I don't know how our society... I don't know what we would eat. Uh, if we got You're absolutely right. Workers. We would starve. Yeah. If, if Mexicans and Central Americans couldn't cross that border at that pace... <clears throat> we would starve, period. Well, Manny, you could use some starving, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, so could I. This isn't a video call, but I could use a, a few less calories. On the other hand, I want the option to not have a few less calories. No, and if a food line breaks out, I'm going to be serving the food, and Ed's going to be in line. <laughs> uh-huh. So, uh, so uh, how does the book end, per se? Are you, do you make any predictions? Well, the... The most important prediction that I make is that we're going to mostly be able to solve our environmental problems by having more resources, more money. Uh, right now, we're asking India uh, to participate in reduction of carbon emissions at a rate that, that we uh, are comfortable with for ourselves. Well, they're not comfortable because they're just now getting enough to eat and getting a place to live and getting ways to get around, whether it's little cars or and so forth. 
but but as as India becomes as rich as China is now, and China becomes as rich as say Portugal is now, everybody takes two steps up. The, the environmental problems will uh, be easier to solve. I'm not saying they're just going to go away by magic, but uh, we won't face a catastrophic environmental uh, crisis. And okay. if we, well, uh, I I beg to differ only because I'm predicting massive amounts of Tesla junkyards next to riverbanks. They're not even going to sell those cars. Yes, they'll be in the junkyard, and those cadmium batteries will be leaking into our riverbeds because of the environmental movement. And then the windmills will be collapsing, and the oil from those windmills will be all over the floor. Plus, all the endangered birds will be gone because the windmills killed them all. Yeah, they sliced them up, pureed them. That's why I call liberalism a bipolar, politically bipolarity. Because well, it, it, it is, but, but that's not the right use of the word liberalism. I'm a liberal, but I, I'm a Victorian liberal who draws my inspiration li- from Adam Smith and John Stuart Mill. And, and Morton and, Freeman. You might as well add Morton Freeman. He, Milton. Milton, sorry. The Morton, I, went to, yeah. I went to the University of Chicago out of high school because Milton Freeman was there, and then I studied with him, although not very intensely because his courses were really hard. Uh, <laughs> but I... Uh, studied with all of his students who were then professors, and so I'm with you on that. I, I, the environmental movement has gotten off the rails, and I think that, that it's, it's more like a religion than it is like a like an uh, old-fashioned conservationism, that we're, which I do support, mm-hmm. which is more what Teddy Roosevelt was about. Yes. In fact, Governor DeSantis here in Florida is casting himself as a great conservationist in the mold of Republican President Teddy Roosevelt. Well, he's creating that reservoir to, yep. to detoxify... Detoxify the, the Everglades. The, yes. yeah, and not get rid of the green algae or red algae. The red algae. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's buying a lot of land. Uh, I think it's like 500,000 acres okay. to create a reservoir to allow those spill off and mm-hmm. let natural oxygenation occur. Okay. And... Um, you know, people realize don't realize, but most people should realize that the Everglades is literally a really wide, shallow river that's mm-hmm. moving all the way down south. Okay. So you just need to widen it to create more opportunities for it to uh, basically create an, enough oxygen mm-hmm. out of its that's own good. existence to dilute what's obvious, the fertilizer. Um, the big mistake was having sugar where sugar is. Right. The the, the big sugar is... Big sugar in the worst right, place. Right. It could possibly be and right in front of the river. What's the name of that company? Florida Crystals? Florida Fan, Crystals. Van Hool. Dixie Crystals. Van Hool Brothers? Yes. Florida Crystals, Dixie yep. Crystals, and the American family, which is just as large. They're fertilizing their crops, and the runoff is fertilizing the algae, and it goes right into the Everglades, yep. and it just massive blooms. So, Lawrence, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say that... Uh, that so far, um, I'm not so keen on this idea of uh, of getting richer. I kind of like the idea, but us uh, getting cleaner and having more resources and stuff of that like. Well, I think you make a good argument that richer countries tend to take care of their environment more effectively. Yeah, if you've been to Switzerland, the whole country looks like a national park. Yeah. Uh, a lot of third world countries uh, don't. And it's because they can afford it. And it's environmental... Cleanliness is a luxury good, and and the poor have to think about what they're going to eat tomorrow. Uh, The rich can think about what is going to happen 300 years down the road. And also manners. Uh, There's always that. There's always manners. You know, people just, 
still throw stuff out the window as they drive, and it's just wrong. Uh, there's people here on the island who come into our barrier island, and they just come with their mainland maggot mentalities, and they just drop stuff. Drop stuff in the and it drives a, game. It drives us nuts, man. It really because you you could have to have a fight. You know, mm-hmm. you approach a person, hey, can you pick that up? Or you pick it up yourself and throw it in the garbage, but you got to fr- at least frown at the person, right. you know? And I had that the other day, and the guy, you know, he wanted to fight. He wanted to, like, hey, yeah. you, know, have a, you have a problem with that? And if I respond to him, then it turns into something. And, yep. all's, and all I have is a paper cup in my hand to defend myself with. So it's just, you see that all the time. The human being is a big part of this problem in the third world. And I'm not so sure I can associate it with wealth, per se. You, you still have to have manners. You still yeah. have, to, have to care. The, the direction of causality is the other way. Wealth doesn't make you polite. But only polite and educated and well-mannered people are in a position to get ahead very consistently. I mean, there are always going to be a few that, that get ahead financially without uh, acting like human beings. But I think as a general principle, I live in a moderately wealthy neighborhood. I feel completely safe. Nobody throws anything out the window, and it's as clean as could be. Did you say, did reason, you say Nevada or Chicago? It, Chicago. Where do you live in Chicago? Live, what suburb? Wilmette. No, oh, I went to high school at Loyola Academy. Okay, well then you know Wilmette very well. Yeah, pretty well. I, I lived in the inner city, so I commuted right. out there. Oh, he commuted out there. Yeah, that's very nice. It's very nice. And if we have a more middle class to upper middle class world, mm-hmm. a lot more places are going to be very nice or somewhat nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot fewer people are going to bring the, the kind of behavior you're talking about with them because they ha- they're going to have to lose it uh, in order to succeed uh, economically. Well, so that's uh, the cultural but, aspect, yeah. You know, Larry, I, I agree with everything you've said, but here's one of my paradoxes. I thought that when a country like, say, China, as they became more market-oriented and participated in the global economy, I thought, and I was wrong, but I thought they would become a little bit more polite, as you say, or a little bit more democratic, or a little bit less militaristic. But the opposite has happened. What do you make of that? Well, I don't want to make of it. 1.4 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. Xi Jinping is a disappointment. I, I think that, that China became more free, uh, and still is up to a point. Uh, I sent you a quote earlier from, from Johan Norberg, who's another yeah. conservative, but he, he basically said not being unfree is different than it used to be. You right. live in China, you can get a job, quit your job, you know, join a union, join a church as long as it's one of the five approved churches. <laughs> Uh, protest against the government as long as you don't propose to overthrow the government. And if you're gay, you can, you're not going to get uh, sent to a forced labor camp. If you're Jewish, you're not going to be sent to uh, some horrible place. But it's uh, got a long way to go. I mean, some of the recent developments in China, I think, are very negative. And it's, well, we have, a, it, we have a person from Key Biscayne uh, who is teaching English over there. And he calls from time to time, and he says uh, very contra- contradictory things to what you're saying. He says that since Trump got elected, they started squeezing their people mm. and monitoring them. Right. There's and, a social he, credit monitoring now. Yes. And start, uh, started doing all kinds of uh, really Stalinist 
tactics. Well, the way they're treating the Uyghurs, the Muslims out uh, west, is just uh, like putting them in concentration camps, re-education camps. Yeah, they're re-educating them, uh, I think, out of fear that they're going to have the kind of problems that they've had in Europe and the Middle East. I don't condone it. It's terrible. I, I've been very disappointed at the at, at the uh, the Xi regime. Well, I mean, uh, Mao, Mao made statements that he was gonna his intent and his rule was to be able to come to the conclusion that we will be able to compare free market capitalism versus state capitalism and to see who can actually make things cheaper, more efficient, and of higher quality to the end consumer. And right now, if we continue on our ways, he's gonna win that argument in his grave. State capitalism is a tremendous force when you have well, 950 million well, the, people the working pro- for 50 the problem, a month. The problem with state capitalism is there's a lot of malinvestment, as the Austrians say. They're making investments for political reasons, not business reasons, so sooner or later, their investments are gonna go sour. Well, the United States is slowly becoming a state capitalist country. Well, when, that's not the answer either. The answer is innovation, and that requires free markets. When you think that the the largest economy in the world is the United States, the second largest economy in the world is China, and if you ask Chinese, it's vice versa. But nobody can deny that the third largest economy in the world, third largest by itself, is the U.S. government. By itself. <laughs> I think you're right about that. I think I'm right. Yep. I am right. Yeah, we need to... Whittle down the government here. That's a here. state capitalist economy. Yeah. In the state of the of the state, the federal government, you add their natural resources, their lands, their battleships, their tanks, their oil, the the, the stuff out of the ground and yeah. in the, the ground. The strategic oil reserves it yeah. still has. Well, yeah. the strategic oil reserve is just reserve. That's a small pot yeah. compared to what they have under the ground that you have to rent from them to get. <laughs> right. And you then got, you add you their buildings, their parks, yeah. their lands. They own Alaska. The whole state of Alaska. The whole Their state income of Alaska, comes in yeah. free. I mean, we're becoming a state capitalist country, and it's simply because of progressive liberals controlling Congress, period. And until we, we unlock the chains of the role of government in our society, we're going to become a state capitalist country. And guess what? I just lost an employee, okay, who was addicted to video games. He couldn't stand 9 to 5. He was 19 years old. You think and the new generation is going to go survived, down the tubes? He, he survived three months with me. Uh-oh. He got into a conflict with a customer. I sided with the customer. Yeah. The customer is always right. right. He stepped on the customer's glasses. Oh, my God. Uh, because he couldn't handle his fury. The, the customer yeah. was wrong in the sense of harassing him. Yeah. And he did the right thing, but he blew yeah. it at the end by stepping on the glasses. Larry, Mac, Mac is the owner of the Ace Hardware Store in Key Biscayne, Florida. Okay. So, and yeah, so I see everybody's. Uh, I see yeah, you see everybody, right? When they're having problems, big difference. Right. One thing is seeing you on a street corner, you're talking to me, hey, everything's great. But I see the side of people when things are broken. Yeah, I can see the trickery, <laughs> I can see the appreciative, I can see the gratitude, I can see the interest, I can see the curiosity of people. Some people really want to know how I'm going to solve their problem. Some people are making suggestions and want to see if their suggestion is better than mine. There's different type of people. Well, there's a lot of people that are just running game mm. and trying to do, trying to solve a problem for as cheap as possible, knowing I'm going to see them come back and come back and come back, and they're going to be frustrated. And then somehow it was my fault, <laughs> and I don't want that to happen either. You know, so uh, going back to government, I don't see how, the, and this is what I admire most about Trump, because I, I wasn't a supporter of, uh, of Trump during the primaries, but what I really wanted out of the Republicans 
is a total defeat of the Democrats in, in a philosophical standpoint, simply because we are neglecting the things that, that are very important to our economy because we're spending it on welfare. And when you spend it on welfare, you get more of it. And therefore, you forget your yeah. bridges, you forget your roads, you forget your dikes, you forget. Look at Michigan poisoning itself with this water system. Mm -hmm. uh, you see uh, Democrats overriding uh, uh, the governor of uh, Illinois' veto to increase taxes over there. Well, guess what? People start fleeing Illinois. Well, now the new governor wants to introduce a progressive income tax. There you go. So, you know, we're going to eventually we're going to tax ourselves out of existence. And people, the very wealthy, will just leave. They'll teach their children. Where are they going to go? They have to leave. Where are they going to go? Then? I would say, well, you know where you can go? You can, you can go right now, just south of here, a bunch of gringos like they did in Panama, and create massive efficient economies over there. Where? In Panama? Uh, just south of here. The, the two largest, most important blocks in the history of humanity, and maybe Lawrence can write a book about this, is Latin America, South America, North America. If we combine those two continents economically, by far we're the greatest economic well, force I, I, in the history of man. I would Simply say because of the, white, the I, fresh water. I would say right now Texas and Florida are the two places to go, and then Tennessee, Carolinas, Georgia, just to get away from all that government taxes regulations. Well, guess what? Well, you get away from the state, but not the federal. Yeah. And as far as Latin America, I think you're right. If we can combine the economies of North and South America, we've got a very powerful force. But first, their governments tend to be pretty bad. And yes. Very corrupt. Yes. And the people are corrupt, too. They don't pay taxes. Right. Well, I wouldn't either if I thought right. I could get away with it. Right. Yeah. And, it, yeah, I, you know, it, it's just that's just a fact. So I, I think that Latin America has led the rest of the world in, in terms of this uh, free market liberalization. They go through spurts of it. Right. Then they go back to this Caudillo-based, right. not state capitalism, it's just... It's just Corrupt capitalism. Yeah. Corrupt, <laughs> well, Venezuela. It's crony capitalism, yeah. and, the, and the worst of them wind up in a situation like Venezuela, the best of them wind up in a situation like Colombia, which is now succeeding uh, and is helping Venezuelans get out of Venezuela. They're, you know, <laughs> but it's still not a. a uh, it's amazing that Colombia can absorb two million Venezuelans. Yeah, That's pretty impressive. They, are, they, they have a new president who's pretty conservative, and they're doing okay. I mean, it's not great, but they're doing okay, and so is Chile. Doing, yeah, compared to their own history, they're doing great. Yeah. Well, Lawrence, thank you very much for your call. I, uh, we're going to go to the next segment. We have another caller coming. and uh, It's a lot of fun. Thank you. Much success with your book. Yeah, send us a copy, and we'll have you back when it's out. That would be a lot of fun. I'll talk to you then. Thank you. you. Now, you're going to allow our special guest to speak. Absolutely. You, yes. You have to speak in Spanish, English, no, and no, French. No. This is English. Come on. <laughs> and uh, is this America? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, English. I forgot. I forgot. And you guys got to take over for about 15 minutes because I've got to go where 54-year-olds have to go all the time. And oh it's my called God. the press room. The press room, okay. So We have a call coming in at 535 from Danny Charon. Okay, Why don't you so wait take that? That'll give me 10 minutes. Can you hold? Five, no, hold six this. minutes. Six minutes? Yeah. yeah. I could do this. I've done this before. I have the technology. <laughs> but introduce your guest. Okay, so today our guest is Candela Caudre. Caudre. Uh, that's French and Spanish, and uh, she is an intern. She just graduated from Concordia University in Montreal, 
and she is going to be working with us. Hopefully her first job will be to get up our uh, company profile on LinkedIn, but there'll be many other things to do. And, you know, you were telling me that you were thinking of having a show on uh, environmental issues. Yeah. So I think I hope you, you maybe you want to call Larry and and get uh, an early copy of his book to see his view. But I think what Larry was trying to say is that the current environmental extremists are really gone out of control. It's a religion. It's like I was telling you that they're they're watermelon. They're also socialists. They're watermelons. They're green on the outside, but they're red inside. They're using environmental extremism as a way to undermine capitalist economies. Well, what do you think of that? I mean, I think that anything in an extreme is obviously not good. And uh, But there are, I mean, you know, we live here in Miami in a place that we're surrounded by water. We have ocean all around us and, you know, the Everglades too. And I think, I don't know, I just think it's important to be mindful that even though, you know, it is very extreme the way that it's portrayed in the mm-hmm. media and the yep. way, like this new wave that's coming up. It's the Green extreme. New Deal. It is very extreme, but there can be certain things that you can find in there that could be useful in the long run. You know, um, that's not to say that, you know, people are not doing things wrong because people are always like, you know, he was saying before how, um, you know, people are always littering and stuff here. in the Right. Spain. No, that's bad. That's definitely and, bad. Uh, no, so, we, we should be. I mean, I think conservatives are generally in favor of environmental protection. Exactly. And what Larry's point was that wealthy countries, prosperous, innovative countries can afford more environmental yeah. protection. If you go to Brazil, part of the environmental problem there is that there are a lot of poor people that are and they just, need the big companies they need, to come yeah, there and yeah. do things over Yeah, there. and for example, a lot of the environmental degradation in Brazil, it happens when these informal miners mm-hmm. and informal farming takes place where, there no, where there's no rule of law and there's no title to the real property. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, so when, you don't, when nobody owns it, the property gets overused or exploited, uh, exploited abused. So when, when somebody owns it, then they take care of it. Yeah. So that's the importance of, of having a real estate title. So that's another uh, topic that you could have in your program. Why don't you tell us? Well, mean, have you thought about that? Um, not about that specifically. Yeah, there you go. But, I mean, I guess what I have thought about the most by living here in Miami is just like our oceans, I think, is the most important. And, you know, I guess, like, the biggest threat in Miami would be that, like, in many years to come, we would drown. Sea <laughs> level rise. rise. Exactly. So I think that would be, you know, if I were to come here and talk and do a talk show or something, that would be more my focus, you know, to, like, discuss the different ways that we can, you know, help the oceans or... Sea level rise. Okay, well, I have a... I get a life jacket in my car in case <laughs> sea well, start to rise. I attended, I attended the sea level rise uh, symposium uh, that was... Here I would say about game. five weeks ago. And that would have to be for another moment because we have a call-in. This is WSQF 94.5, the Concrete Conservative. Who do I have the pleasure to speak with? How are you, Daniel? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you over the phone as well. Now, are you a friend of Ed Vidal's? Well, not only that, he's a friend of David Wells Roth. Oh, are you, as ta- so are, you in, are you as talented as the, the great painter? Um, absolutely. Not, uh, not in painting, but areas. in law. Oh, in law. So you're uh, an, another lawyer. See, uh, Ed tries to surround me with attorneys to see if I can get in trouble, and then I have no way out. No, no. And, uh, uh, I'm sure that's that's that is his plan. He, yeah, yeah, it's a master plan. And he comes in here with America, you know, make America great again hat, which I have an affinity for. Just so there's no doubt. But he where told I stand. me that had nothing to do with Trump. It had only to do with attorneys, and I uh, I rebuffed it on the air, so he stopped that. I see. Now, but, are you also another author or uh, 
You just wanted no, I, to... hear, I hear he's the author of Rants from the left coast. Really? Conservative that is rants. The, the author of the morning rant. Oh, the morning from rant. The so you coast. survive in left uh, in, in the LA. left in L.A. and you don't drink their water. I, I try not to, I, unless it's steeped in hops and then allowed to ferment for a while. Oh, all right. The microbreweries are fantastic in San Diego. I was there uh, last year, man. I was very impressed. There's some place I could survive in California because you know California's all all beautiful, and then it gets ruined by all the homeless and all the people that can't survive. Yeah, yeah it's funny because Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols was on the uh, on the on TV or a radio saying he's complaining about Los Angeles has too many homeless people, too much shit all over the place. Ship, 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 ship. ships all over. Remember, the, place. the federal government is listening. That's right, ship. The license. So Ship. it's amazing. The, it, Los Angeles is now too dirty, even for Johnny Rotten. <laughs> that is a sad state of affairs. But it, it is absolutely very true. If you go down to the downtown area where the historic district is, all the government center building, the famous um, uh, uh, city hall that you used to see in the beginning of Dragnet, all of the federal court buildings, uh, famous old Vera Street, which is the old Mexican neighborhood, little Tokyo, little Chinatown, all that area, which should be the center of uh, tourism to Los Angeles. It should be a money-making uh, center, a financial center of the city, is absolutely covered with tents and homeless people uh, that have nowhere to go. There's, it's filthy. It stinks. And so that means that L.A. is state capitalist. I would capitalist. that out of there. I wouldn't stay, and I wouldn't spend my money there. I'd go somewhere else. Yeah, I was appalled at L.A. I really was. When I came in there, yeah. I was on to get a train just to leave. I was, I was more interested in, in going to San Diego. But we landed in L.A., and I didn't stay there a night. I found it to be really dilapidated. Uh, you know, Rodale Drive <clears throat> didn't look any better than uh, Miracle Mile. Yeah. I don't know what the hell the name was, all, what was so fanciful about it. It's not much of a miracle, and and it should be. It should be absolutely fantastic, and we all grew up uh, thinking about Los Angeles and Hollywood and Beverly Hills and the beaches and all of that, and when you get here, it, it very much is a, a disappointment. Uh, and I, you know, I used to say when we first came out that L.A. stinks. Everything around L.A. is beautiful, but the city itself is just not a very pleasant city. So you, uh, you're in agreement that government, once again, as misguided as it's yeah. always been, is spending too much money on well, the homeless, but the thing that's creating amazing, more of it. I, I thought Mayor Garcetti was running for president. Uh, if he does, he doesn't have a chance. And yeah, I think that, in general, my feeling is that, while I will grant you that there are certain things that government does do better than individuals and should do and individuals like? do that's a very No, wait a minute you can't order. make the, you, can, you can't make that statement without telling law me order. what oh, do they I do think, I, I wouldn't want there to be a private uh, police force i wouldn't right. want there to be a private army i wouldn't want there to be a private fire department but in well, almost case. any other area uh, the the private sector can do it much better more efficiently and come up with a solution that works for for everybody uh, but I certainly am adverse to uh, allowing the state to assume too much power. And being an attorney, and I don't do a lot of criminal law, but I do do some. And when you see how much power the state has, even in a country based on limited government, it really is frightening. And the system of checks and balances is so important, and the biggest check and balance to 
any one branch of government is individual rights and liberty. That's also a part of the checks and balances. Well, and, I mean, what about, uh, you know, stuffed up ballots? I mean, not ballots. Docket, docket, docket. Oh, docket. What is it to, uh, about having so many regulations that just about everybody's breaking the law and therefore you can't prosecute anybody because just the, the list is long. I mean, there's not enough judges to, to handle so many of these cases. Well, What's... the issue of regulation is very, absolutely, regulations are rampant. And I think what's interesting is that often the regulations are counterproductive. Uh, one of my uh, early experiences when I came out uh, to California was um, I had a client that got busted because he chopped down a live oak tree. They had passed a regulation because they, I guess the live oaks, they're very important in the economy, the ecology. They have uh, some birds, use them for nesting, and, and, and the environmentally conscious wanted to protect California's live oak. So they, they passed an ordinance saying that you can't chop down a live oak if, it has, if its trunk has more than eight inches in diameter. Well, as soon as they passed that ordinance, what they did, although none of them intended for this to happen, is they condemned the live oaks to slaughter. Because as soon as they passed this ordinance, but before it went into effect, everybody started chopping down their live oaks on their property because who wants to be saddled with a tree that you can never cut down? Not to mention it limits the size yeah. of the, ho the home you can build there. That's well, it, it, no. there's all sorts of problems. My guy happened to just be terrible at measuring diameter, so he thought he had it was under and, in fact, was over. But the point was is that nobody on the city council, when they passed this ordinance, was saying, let's destroy live oaks or let's harm the environment. Everyone had wonderful intentions, and they thought that by regulation that they could do good. But they did bad. Not to mention the, the the places where the live oaks were out in the boonies, they end up drying up. Nobody cuts those down, and guess what? You saw those tremendous forest fires. We saw those tremendous forest fires, mm -hmm. and the same thing this, that past summer, I guess it was last summer, yeah. uh, they wanted to increase the diameter. I think it, it, that you could... Uh, chopped down a tree if it was 24 inches or less, and they wanted to increase that to 36 inches. But they wanted to, to ease the regulations on logging that, so that people could clear out brush. And had they done so, I think we would have had a very different situation. But again, the problem with regulation is, is everybody has a wonderful idea, and they think they're doing good, and they market their ideas and their regulations uh, with the idea that, listen, we, we have to do this in order to do good, and if you oppose the regulation, it's just because you want to do bad and you hate the environment, do you hate this or you hate that, and so people are cowed into accepting additional regulations, and the crazy thing is oftentimes these, these regulations hurt the very thing they're trying to save. Yeah, I call that in the, in the book I wrote, I call it the progressive virus. Yeah. Where it's not biological, it's a computer hack. And it's a, in other words, it's a computer virus. And it's shared among people of like minds and their siblings. And it ba basically uh, describes exactly what you have described, which I don't agree that they have poor intentions. I believe that they're lovers of government and therefore they're intended to be poor decisions. I don't really get involved in intent or virtue because I know very definitively what the role of government is. 
and it sure as hell isn't mitigating the chopping down of trees. It's always coercion and providing public order. And and lying and stealing. Well, that too, when it's subverted. Well, yeah. I think that corruption is an inevitable consequence of um, Human existence. any type of power. Yeah, any kind of uh, power. When there's right. no profit motive, uh, right. then there's no real consequences to corruption. If I'm running a business and I'm stealing from the till or overcharging or underperforming in the private sector i'm going to i'm going to run i'm going to lose i'm going to i'm going to go bankrupt in in no time because my competitors who are playing the game fairly honestly and more efficiently are going to are going to shut me out right but if it's the government doing it you know they've got a lock on their position so they're never going to fail plus the money comes in free well sure and or or not you may have to pay for enforcement but still um, I, and I think that there is a philosophy, and I think that's really the difference between the two populations in the United States. I, I so what, like first of all, left uh, and right, I like people like looking more at people who believe that the answer to life's problems are through state power and state intervention, and those that believe that the private sector is going to come up with the with a better solution. Well, the private sector will only come up with a better solution if there is a profit motive, and as a result of the profit motive, they find things better for uh, the, the market. In other words, if the market is healthy, then depending on the type of business, of course, like I have a vested interest in having fantastic roads because I have an, an interest in my product getting to my store so that I can resell. In, in the restaurant business, if you are selling eggs, you Better, you better demand great roads, or else you get broken eggs when they when they arrive. Of so course. that's the point I'm trying to make. That everybody in our segments of our economy, like for instance in the Soviet Union when it broke up, uh, everybody was uh, slaughtering, trying to make a living, and guess what? They lost their caviar, their most cherished product. They don't have the below the bologna salmon anymore. The blue well, and, and and that's an area where again I think that regulation. Um, and, and that there is a role for government. So, yes. for example, you, you, do, you do want to protect fisheries. You do want exactly. to protect natural resources. You don't want to allow unlimited exploitation. And so I'm, I would never say that there should be a free-for-all or anarchy. I'm not an anarchist by any stretch of the mean. I, I do think, though, that the philosophy of regulate carefully sparingly and always take a second and third look at your regulations to see if in fact they're doing what you intended them to do or if they're having these unintended consequences that are actually uh, more adverse than advantageous because what you do find out is every time you do something there's a, there, there is an expected consequence and an unexpected one now when you do your your uh, your your online, uh, what, what would I call it? A blog? Is it a is it a blog that you is it that you you produce, uh, or is it a, is it a, a online newspaper? No, no, neither. It's um, I, I I really just uh, I do every now and then offer opinions and author opinions. Oh, so you go to other people's sites and Dick, drive traffic? David Wells Roth. David Wells Roth, noted uh, Bostonian artist. Yes. Okay. All right. So now now I'm kind of. Uh, baffled because um, you're in California. No, he's a friend of David's. But that doesn't mean he's he is David. He's, he's no, a friend of. Right. Friend okay, of, so yeah. why are you confusing the two when I'm no, asking no, a question? No, no. What is it that he blogs about? So you, uh, you survive in California practicing law, obviously. 
But you you have uh, you somewhat of an activist, or are you completely surrounded by complete liberal freakazoids, and you can't even live quietly? You have no. no you, you have to be very careful out here. I, mean, uh, I yeah. suppose California is even worse than Massachusetts. They they sort of uh, vie for the extreme left. I guess nobody is as extreme as Vermont. Right. Vermont is always going to win. But the number two. California and Massachusetts are, are competing neck and neck. Yeah, um, imagine if you guys get to exclusively elect presidents of the United States because they get rid of the Electoral College. We're not going to get rid of the Electoral College. Well, effectively, that that's true. I think between uh, New York, uh, Chicago, uh, Miami, and Los Angeles and San Francisco, we probably would be able to, yeah. to have you, a Yeah, if you got rid of the Electoral College, dictate, exactly. Dictate who the president is going to be. And what really sucks is you put Miami on that list when it used to be conservative just 20 years well, ago. Well, we're working on that. I don't know how we make a comeback because, man, when I grew up, you could not win uh, if you weren't a, an anti-communist, you know, conservative freak. And to think, and Bill Clinton broke the glass ceiling there when he won re-election. Well, well, you know, when he won re-election here, I, I suppose we were we were lucky to have a group, uh, you know, a big population of, emig- of emigrants from a communist country that knew how bad things could be under that philosophy. Well, guess what? After wet foot, dry foot in 1994, Bill was able to get that second, well, I would say the third, no, second generation of communist Cubans who now became economic refugees, not political ones, and they were looking for a free ride because Castro had provided, you know, electricity, you know, one week a month, so they were hoping to get two weeks a month in the United States, and they they arrived here and they realized, whoa, Publix and Winn-Dixie is full every day. Yeah. Right, and therefore well, they and food stamps the can be had, and then they go back in. to Cuba for root canal. <laughs> See? But it's, it's it's I think handing out the freebies is one of the way of sucking people in. It, it creates a, a a forced dependency on the government and the government welfare, and it actually is far more harmful uh, to to immigrants to the urban poor. But that's what the progressives want. They program that. That even the most conservative government could offer. Now, did you grow up? Did you grow up liberal and you became conservative, or did you come from a conservative home? Ah, oh, geez, that's an excellent question because I don't think my politics have changed significantly from the seventies to the present. And in the seventies, I would be what would consider would have been considered in the seventies as a leftist. I don't think my politics has changed. I think the definitions have changed. Okay, but your parents were Democrats, and you were... Parents the... were Democrats, but don't forget, Democrats in the 60s and 50s right. and 40s were an entirely different animal from Democrats today. To some degree. Uh, yeah. I won't, no, I won't they, argue uh, the point because uh, I wasn't born. No, but a lot of them voted for Reagan. Was, but it was a 1960 Democrat 80. who allowed communism 90 well, miles away Well, that was him. Jack Kennedy and his uh, brother uh, Bobby. And his anus brother Bob. Right. But uh, his point is right. Like, in the 70s, you had Scoop Jackson and other conservative Democrats... 1980 was when Reagan really drew the line. A lot of those conservative Democrats, including me, realized that we were conservative Republicans. Well, I I think that, and again, I don't like these labels because I think the labels are malleable and they don't really necessarily, they mean what we want them to mean, not necessarily having some sort of objective fixed meaning. I've always looked at, at human rights, at human liberty as being the, the, the central part of, of what we should be fighting for and government should be protecting. And I've always looked at state power as being something which is, should be limited to the greatest extent possible and should always be treated uh, suspiciously. 
that used to be a left-wing way of looking at the world. It has now become the conservative way right. of looking at the world. Right. All right, I want Candela to say something. She's because a, she's got a perfect name. She's Candela. Candela. Wow. On fire. Ouch. I like Carmel, yes. Yeah, Candela. That's fantastic. Candela, you hear these uh, three curmudgeons, because that's what we sound like these days. And I, you got to understand, we have screwed your generation so bad. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. You guys are looking down on your phone. You don't have no idea what we've done to you with your our trillion-dollar national deficit Half the people don't write and read. Nobody even reads a book now. Now mm -hmm. books are available on Kindle. Nobody reads. Uh, how do you how do you uh, are planning to? Because you just now graduated as a journalist. Yeah. Uh, do, you, uh, do you really feel comfortable taking on Earth issues as opposed to human issues? Because I think you're going to serve. As a journalist, you mean? Yeah. I just think that I mean to me personally, like wildlife conservation and environmental issues are more. You know, pertinent. They're more, yeah, they're more personal. And they have to more you. substance to me, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like human right issues are very important. I just, I don't know enough about them. I don't think to know if I would be. So you, uh, so them. you get you 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 leave college, no. and how is it that you're you're when you do your for your first interview? Yeah. Do you think you're going to get the job because of your environmental uh, issue, or do you think you'd be able to stay employed solely on that? I mean, are you really depending on Miami starting to flood and then you can have write and write and write and be paid? Well, no. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that question. I would say, I don't know, I guess whatever the information is and wherever the like the substance is, that's where so I will go. It, it you could know? Be, I, uh, when I, went I to could start here, but then maybe I could end up, you know, in, in Africa because there's some other important things to like discuss. Or end up covering war and therefore there goes exactly, global warming. Or, or maybe just doing news, you know. Um, I don't know, I just, I've had a lot of uh, problems with journalism lately and me the media. You know, my I've been studying for three years and I've seen like a lot of things that I don't, like, that make me feel like I'm not so happy with my choice of being a journalist because the media has deceived me a lot, I think. And they're asking you to lie, too. And exactly. And I, and some things that I've taught is like, oh, what's the Jewish story or what's the, what's the, you know, the best story? But sometimes that doesn't mean that it's the right story or it doesn't mean that the information is... And it might, be, it might just be the trending story. Exactly. And so for me, I guess, you know, if I get to do what I want, I would love to do documentaries because I feel like that's a more realistic and more, like, real... If you do it right, you know, a more real way of looking at things because you get all the So that time. means you go into video as yeah. opposed to writing? Yeah, I mean, because you can... You, you know, have to you write can, the script. Yeah, you can implement, just like radio, at the end of the day, it, you're talking, but it's all about, you know, the writing and the research that you're doing behind what you're talking about. So, um, I mean, documentary to me... Would it, you like to replace Ed as uh, my executive producer? I don't want to replace anybody. Oh, my God, you have to. It's cannibalism. She can have her own program. Daniel, what do you think? Don't you think we should cannibalize the, the talent here and just eat up Ed and, and, and go with the future? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah, see? <laughs> you know, and I'm sure... I'm Doesn't sure she have a, just a better voice, period? Is far more attractive than Ed could ever hope to be. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can also put the Great America hat on her. And then it's... No, she'll be in trouble if she gets a picture thrown of her with that. Well, her it, friends would defriend her. Well, I know I have friends from all sides. I, okay. I, you have conservative I, friends? Oh, yeah. I have a friends who voted for Trump. I had friends who did Well, some liberals ha voted for Trump. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I'm open to all ideas, to all theory. Like, you know, I just, if there's no extremes, if you can stay balanced, and like you were talking before, if there's facts and there's evidence, then, 
hey, you know, if you respect my ideas, I respect yours, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just the problem of not respecting each other and having these, like, extreme sides to things when life is not... Okay, well, let, well, me, let me tell you about... Yeah, go the, ahead, yeah. go ahead. No, last, yesterday I and ran into a... next. I, yesterday I ran into a guy, I was at a, a conference, and there was a guy, uh, so, a retired sociology professor from FIU, and he said, we were talking about immigration, and I said I was a Cuban immigrant, and he said, oh, Cuban immigrants have had it so easy. And I went over there, and I said, look, the reason we were allowed in lawfully was because President Kennedy and his brother screwed up the Bay of Pigs situation and mishandled the missile crisis. And then he said to me, no, it's because you and your family were indoctrinated and convinced by American propaganda. And I looked at him and said, what do you mean American propaganda? Our business was confiscated. And he says, oh, but you were among the 1%. And oh. I said, you got a problem with property? And I went up to him and uh, I, I almost... Uh, had a bl- uh, uh, you bullied the I guy? Om- yeah, I bu- well, yes, I, I let him know that uh, he should not be speaking like that. So that's the sort of thing you have to stand up to. Now imagine the impact he has on you. He's teaching in front of your generation, yeah. Yeah. who he just screwed, because he's the other generation. There's no one who can say, nobody here who's been born after 1960 can honestly say they haven't screwed you guys. Oh, yeah. Because we either got elected, we supported someone who got elected. <clears throat> And well, we the just, national debt is just out of control. It's disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Trump just, to get what he wanted, he had to get all the crap he wanted to get rid of, mm-hmm. which was the left's taxing and teeth into Obamacare that he was trying to get rid of. But they, in that budget, they put the stuff that make right. Obamacare more difficult to get rid of. Crap. Yeah. And otherwise, he goes into an impasse. It was a rhino trap. Impasse. Right. It was a rhino trap. And now, where you guys are really in the hole, because it's the most gross buzzing well, ever signed. Manny, the, the solution has to be to reelect the Trumpster and, and get a Republican, conservative Republican House. Yeah, well, guess what? Yeah. To get a conservative Republican House when we just had a conservative No, deal, we didn't. We had a bunch of rhinos. They all, 46 of them, did not run for re-election. Yeah. So they got, yeah, they no, got taken so we over. Got, we got better people at the leadership. I think uh, Kevin McCarthy has figured things out. And then the number three person is Liz Cheney. And they're giving her more airtime. Now, Daniel, yeah. do you know when was the last time we had a filibuster-proof U.S. Senate? For the Republicans. You can't cheat. You, I won't. I you won't know tell the them. answer. Uh, right. No, I, I, I would not be able to, to, to give you the answer on that. Okay, well, guess what? Do you think it was the 50s, 60s, 40s, 70s? Filibuster proof. Now remember, remember, at the turn of the century it was fifty-one, and now it's sixty. But when was the last time we had it? A Republican. Republican. I, I, I would have to confess, I have absolutely no idea. It would be a sheer guess. Okay, nineteen eleven. Yep. Wow. And this is ni- not our yeah, fault. In, in nineteen twelve and nineteen thirteen, we got the sixteenth and seventeenth amendments, income tax, and we never, and re- direct and never election, got the majority, and the Federal Reserve. Act was uh, put into place. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that you know that doesn't bother me. I, I think that when the founding fathers set up this this very complex government with a bicameral legislature, so you have a house, you have a senate, you have the president, and all three really have to cooperate. That this was done on purpose. It was done to make uh, make. Uh, dialogue necessary, make compromise necessary. But what are you saying? What? What was? The income tax? Uh, no, uh, that's, a, that's just one one particular... That was the policy. biggest disaster but ever. The point is, is I, I think that what the young, the young lady, Candela, said was that 
you know, we want to try to avoid the extremes. You want to engage in a dialogue, and that's what the Founding Fathers set up, was a system that encouraged dialogue, that made extremes very difficult because you would really have to have both the House and the Senate and the presidency, and that would be very difficult to do, and it should be very difficult to do. Well, they could have made it more difficult. It's not a bad thing when you have different uh, parties control different parts of the government, and this forces a dialogue. Yeah, but what's missing in your (laughs) argument is the states. The states were to were to yeah, call the Seventeenth Amendment took the that states out of the federal us. system. Yeah, and so we see that as uh, going backwards because they because the United you know. States when it was founded, and I I want to say that to, I want to tell you, Candela, we were never supposed to vote for senators. Okay. Now these jerk offs did that so that we could this part of the party, the constitutional side of the party, conservative people who don't have a problem with creating a box and staying inside it mm-hmm. by law. We, you were supposed to be able to tell your senator you're coming back to Florida because we don't like what you're doing up there. Yeah, because recall. the legislature was yeah. to appoint the senator, and it should be a, among the best and the brightest. Yeah. Well, the wealthy people in this country at the time auto accuse themselves. They themselves accuse themselves of being robber barons because they own the newspaper, so it was easy to sell the idea that we're yeah. stealing from you because we're buying that senator inside the state, inside the legislature. So what? So long as you're not the only employer in the state. Eventually, you are not going to be the only employer of the state. We would have just waited this thing out for the economy to grow so that Microsoft wouldn't be the only employer in Washington State, or Apple for that matter, that eventually they couldn't buy the senator. But then you and me could pay attention to the state government. We don't pay attention. Daniel, do you agree that nobody in California pays attention to California state legislature? Oh, absolutely. That's why the state is such a basket case that it is. And that right. multiply that times that's, 50. Right. That's yeah. an argument for repealing the 17th Amendment. You have to. You people have to. So wait, the 17th Amendment is, what is it? Yeah, now, Candela, the U, the Candela, U, Candela, U, Candela, Marco Rubio. Candela is applying to but become a U.S. citizen, so she's trying to I learn. I got it denied. You got it, oh, she got denied, uh-oh. Oh, oh I, the tattoos. No, no, okay, no, well, no, no, no. Scorpio. No, no, it's just because um, I've been outside the U.S. For, for the five years of my green card, I've been outside for more of the days that I was supposed to. So, so it was just pass- extended. It's not and denied. Yeah, exactly. I passed the exam, like with flying, co- like you know, the six questions. Well, I got them right. You know, I studied. I did. Everything is perfect. It's need- just that I needed to spend <coughs> here like two more years, I think, like well, full consecutive. In that time, she'll be doing more civics education. Now here's a here's a going back to what you said, Daniel, and I think the previous caller. Here's a situation where she's away only because you you were educating yourself. Yeah, just to be able to come back here with in a Montreal. education, with in cheaper Montreal. education for me. You know. Yeah, and therefore you're going to more likely be a productive citizen as opposed to a uh, carpetbagger. Yeah, that's no, what that's I was not saying. the right word, is no, it? No, it's okay. Carpetbagger. No, a carpetbagger was something entirely different. But the idea no, but was please tell the audience that what was something you're different. Getting a green card, you're, you're applying for a residency visa, and if you're outside of the country and you've shown that your residency is no longer the United States, then why are you applying for a residency visa? Uh, on the other hand, if she's able to show that she wasn't, even though she was studying outside, her focus of her life remained in the United States, and that shouldn't count against her. Well, my family lives here. My sisters and my parents live here, and we've had the green card for the past five years. We've yeah. lived in the U.S. for the past ten. My parents, my dad has his own business here. He just moved to Colorado with his business. Um, my mom is, you know, yoga teacher and stuff. But yeah, I left because I couldn't afford um, college here. It was just too, even my Florida college is just too expensive for me, so 
I went to Montreal because I could get better education for cheaper, so... Well, you're not supposed to say better education. You can't say cheaper education. You well, can say better, cheaper. better for my program, yeah, I would say so. Because the college here, the my program that was offered is not doesn't have the same, you know, quality that but the program my, that my I went to. Is that in, in, according to the law, residency is a term of art. It doesn't just mean where you physically are located. Residency also means where the focus of your life is. Yeah, so and that's... And you that's, can remain a, a U.S. resident even though you're temporarily living... Yeah, but I never spend more than six months outside of the U.S., which is part of the residency. And the only reason why I left is to come back, which yeah. is like why I, you know, I made that point with the lady well, that interviewed me, but obviously... That doesn't really matter because she can't. We'll sponsor you for whatever. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, well, well. well. I mean, I know that in the future, my parents could always um, request for me to be a citizen. It's just that I am, you know, I'm over. Now you're 21. Yeah. Um, So so right now, with the whole, my parents just got their citizenship. So my family is American. It's just, just me because. Well, they're U.S. citizens. Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna claim you. I know they'll claim me eventually. It's just that right now, with the whole paper situation, it's not possible. But in in the few like years that are to come, I'll definitely be. Yeah. The, the rule is uh, what's the rule once your parent if your parents become naturalized citizens and sh- you were born in Spain I was born in Spain yes. so they can claim her even though she's 21 Daniel well yes uh, yeah, it just becomes an issue of preference and how long you have to wait but yeah. you know the crazy thing that she's bringing up is that he is a person that's trying to do everything right She's trying to better herself. She's coming to the United States in order to make the United States a better country. And she's having a very difficult time, whereas you can get somebody else that comes in and with a child and says, well, that's it. I think I've been oppressed, and therefore I should be granted immediate admission. And then you can worry about whether or not I'm qualified. You know, if, if I come, if I come back well, for the hearing. That's what the lady was telling me. She told me that she generally felt bad for not a lot, like telling me, you know, you might not get it because she was like, you fit the requirements, like, to the max, and I've never felt bad about not giving it to anybody but you because there's no better person to give it to. But I just, because I have a little bit more days, I have like over 100 more days, uh, more or less. In Canada, study. In Canada. You know, it's like, I think it's nine. So you haven't graduated days. yet? Um, I technically officially graduated in June. Like, I get my diploma in June. You have to go back? Okay. I have to go back just to get it and then come back. But, you know, I, I have a job here. I'm working full time at, at, a, at a cigar shop. I'm developing their app. A cigar shop? Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to celebrate this. <laughs> I got to pour away. Wait, I have to do my favorite sound effects here. This is a sound effect for working in a cigar shop. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to sound like a standing ovation, by the way. Okay. What cigar shop? Neptune Cigar. Superstore. Oh, ne- ne- Neptune? Yeah. Over in US 1, right? Uh, Well, I'm on the one in Little Havana. But yeah, they have one in... Uh, oh, the one in Little Havana. Yeah. Even more. Right. <laughs> wow, fantastic. Well, we're big cigars here. Um, I know, I, I can see it. We around. Got, we're I cigars know. everywhere, you know. If it wasn't for a cigar, I'd be 500 pounds. <laughs> thank God for that. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for your call. We're looking forward to uh, speaking to you again. All right. It was our pleasure. Thank you very much for hosting me. You and, bet. Uh, take care and best of luck. And don't drink you. the water in L.A. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow. So you're at Neptune Cigar now. So, you know, I got motivation to go there. Yeah. I haven't been there in a, in a bit. I go... Uh, you go to the one in Dayton, no, though. We, we have the, one in they have the lounge because that's the only one with the lounge. Because they have. Well, one when in, I wanna, when it, it's funny, pro- it's you. You smoke based on what you want to talk about. Yeah. If I'm in the movie mood, I go to Neptune because the movie buffs are there. Yeah. If I'm in a political mood, I go to my cigar joint here on A Street, and that's Which all. Which one is that? that uh, the Titan de Bronze? No, no, no that's yeah. Uh, that's the Titan de Bronze is just a literally. A 
uh, drool store, over yeah. cigars rolling mm-hmm. because it's a factory. Oh, okay. Yeah. But my smoke shop, it's called the Smoke Shop. It's right here by Brickle. It's obviously very close. But I love going there because it's judges, prosecutors, delinquents, oh, everybody. That's cool. And you sit there and you stay quiet and the cops come in and they sit down. And they're having a Whopper in one hand. The cigar's not even lit yet. By the minute the last bite, someone's lighting the cigar. And they're sweating from a crime scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. literally, they're in jeans, they're undercover cops, and the stories are awesome. Oh, that's cool. Just don't make a comment. Because yeah. then they'll clam up. Hmm. They'll, they'll stop talking. But among themselves, you get the gun. You leave the gun. You leave the gun, right? Man, we've been waiting for that guy for three weeks. You mean they <laughs> placed a gun on a suspect? <laughs> I remember, I don't reply. I just sit there smoking. This is Miami, man, and this yeah. is the hood, deep stuff, man. Yeah. Overtown, mm-hmm. Little Havana, Opelok. What do you mean? Little Havana is not so unsafe. There's oh, it is. Yeah. There's a lot there of stuff going that... on. Okay. There's a lot of what they call movimiento. Okay, all right. <laughs> not to mention, these guys pay everything, man. They pay everybody's cable bill. They pay the electric bills. Everybody's looking out for them. Mm-hmm. And that's what these guys are talking about, how difficult it is to catch somebody. Because the neighborhood's letting them know that they recognize the the undercover cop. The the drug dealers are protected. They're protected by the neighborhood. And these guys, what's really cool is that they're getting their ship together before they go do their reports. Right. Yeah. And they'll just sit there. And and what's beautiful is a cigar is the truth serum. So all the stuff comes out. Oh, yeah. And they're not going to ask me to leave because I was there first. And if I show up, they're not going to ask me to leave because I'm, they can tell that the owner knows me and I'm part of the yeah, hood. You're, you're, you're going to have to wear a wire. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that uh, that it's a it's a code of ethics in mm-hmm. a cigar shop that mm-hmm. what goes on in the cigar there, shop yeah. stays, stays in. in the cigar shop. Okay. Yeah, and notice I've been vague enough to uh, to understand that I said nothing. Okay, good. I have said nothing. I just make it. Really uh, exciting for people to go back and smoke cigars. So if you want to smoke about, if you want to talk about sports, you go to the cigar shop on 87th Avenue. Okay. If you want to talk about movies, Neptune on Galloway on Galloway. Your, yeah. your Neptune is where exactly? It's uh, on Seventh in uh, front Street. of the. Um, it's and, by the Casino Magic Casino, Magic City Casino. It's right next to Magic City Casino on eight, on Seventh Street. Seventh Street. Uh, yeah. What Avenue? Seventh uh, and Thirty Fourth, okay. more or less. It's right there. I haven't been there yet. But it, it's only it's it, only the store. We don't have a lounge in our on our on our store. The only one that has a lounge is on is at Dayland. And then we have another Dayland one. Dayland is across from Trader Joe's. Yeah, yeah. And then we have another one in Fort Lauderdale, and we're looking to open one in South Beach. Oh, pre- yeah. prepare for the rent. Yeah, it's kind of hard because it, super- it was hard. We had one place, and then they denied it because there there's been a lot of laws uh, with smoking on public areas and the beaches and stuff. There's like. You know, well, there was a big I... FDA meeting, uh, like, early in January in Washington that my boss went to uh, about, like, smoking regulations. That sounds like Mayor Blumberg to me. You know, in New York, you can't smoke anywhere. Yeah. They're banning flavored, um... Like, cigarettes. Not, yeah, cigarettes and, uh... Um, the vapor stuff. And vapor stuff. Yeah, like, the jewel, the whole jewel thing is about who's, to who, end. Who's banning that? Oh, the FDA. All the... Because fla- flavored things appeal more to kids. And that's the whole problem with jewels because, you know, all these kids have, like, you know, they see, oh, mango or this and that, and they like it because they don't really understand, the, you know, there's, oh, mango, that's good. It's nicotine. Know? Yeah, but it's full of nicotine. Well, it's not F- it's not FDA. It's um, uh, tobacco and firearms. Um, really? ATF? ATF. Alcohol, tobacco and firearms? Yeah, they're the ones who license and, t- and tax cigarettes. Yeah. So cigar people have been trying to get away from that for yeah, a long time. Because they're, like, they, suppressing us a lot in that sense, you know. They, they're not, they associate us with cigarettes. I mean, yeah. in Boston... A friend of mine right now in Boston, and he's online trying to find out where can I smoke a cigar. 
And Believe me, in Boston, can. it's very you, tough. You can't smoke a cigar. The, the, he nowhere. found one, but it's not necessarily in Boston proper. He's out. Right. He's outside. And you're saying in Manhattan there are no cigar bars anymore? No there, place to the, smoke the a ones, cigar. Yeah. The ones that are that are grandfathered in are basically uh, are grandfathered in. And that's it. But I think there's one, two, maybe three, uh, like in each borough. Uh, well, not one, two, or three in each borough. I'm talking about one in one borough, one in another borough, yeah. one in another borough. I've been to one cigar bar that was actually uh, a, a liquor joint, like a bootlegging old liquor license kind of place where mm-hmm. politicals were. That's you can smoke inside, mm-hmm. but you can't smoke anywhere on any sidewalk. Can't smoke in Central Park. Can't smoke anywhere in your home if you're not home. even a, a cigar. Not a cigarette, not a cigar, no. Well, I think you should go there and then act as a conscientious objector and say it's your cultural uh, heritage. heritage, right, to be able to smoke a cigar. So I have. A, do I put the cigar in my ear like a cigarette yeah. or no? No, no, no. You got to make it a cigar. You should be wearing a. You should be wearing a guayabera when you do that. So you can say this and my is belly like, button showing and, and the, the corner's coming button, out. Right. And the, yeah, and the yeah. corner's <laughs> showing out and the corner's coming out. Well, I, um, you know, you ask Cubans, they don't smoke cigars. No. The new Cubans don't have I mean, it's really complicated also, to, at least here, to get Cubans over to the U.S. Um, no, no, I don't mean the smoking of the Cuban cigar, which I can say here live on WSQF 94.5. What? That I haven't smoked a Cuban cigar. Oh. How about that? Because, I mean, it's hard to get them to the U.S., you know, to get Cubans. Well, I've been to the offered US. them, but them I just won't smoke them. You won't smoke them, okay. I've been offered a the, bundle of... They Cubans, have, and I look at them like, what in, for? I have Nicaragua. In Europe, there's right, a lot more Cubans. Here, Dominican it's seeds. Stuff, yeah. Canada has a lot of Cuban cigars. Yeah, yeah. Montreal, I'm sure. But here, yeah, but here in, in the U.S., there's no way, no way. No, you rarely, and if you find them, that's because a person brought them personally, you know, privately for their like. You don't ship. Yeah, it's two. Bo- I think it's two sell, boxes. Like we don't sell cigar, like Cubans at our, our stores. Like I don't think any store sells Cubans. No, no way. You can't. No, the embargo no. won't let you. You no. can't resell. Well, right now I was reading that. Uh, the, talking about the Cuban embargo, the new administration has allowed owners of property that was confiscated in Cuba to start suing, and that apparently has started. For example, Pernod Ricard had the Havana Club license from the Cuban government, and now I think they're going to... Because of Helms-Burton. Well, now they're going to get sued, yes. Helms-Burton. starting. We've had that law in place... Since Clinton, yeah, and the clause has always been, been, yeah, yeah. It's like moving the embassy to to Israel. It was always postponed by the president, and now this president says, "Let's do it." I I understand your comparison, but there's no comparison. Well, no, I know it's not the same. I agree. Yeah, it's not the same. Not the same. Cuba is not Israel. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's that's for sure. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. There's nothing sadder in foreign policy. And communism in Cuba, so close to this country. Mm-hmm. My God, Cuba would be Tokyo today. Instead of 11 million, it'd be 30 million people there. In Cuba. But yeah, that was industries. President Kennedy and his a-hole brother. Imagine Ford, Chrysler, and Apple. I, know, I just found out recently that you need to every two years you need to pay to keep your Cuban passport or something. Oh, like that. you could inform us if you find out about that. Because uh, I have a friend, well, one of my coworkers, she's trying to go back because her cousin had a baby, and well, the tickets were like. Super expensive to yeah. fly to Cuba right now, but yeah, she was like on top of the well, tickets. Well, that's post Trump, have, by the way. Yeah, but on top of the tickets, I would need to like pay because uh, for my passport again because every two years you have to pay to like make sure you keep your passport, and they do that so that I guess you know. So the they can fly. Does, well, yeah. some of the biggest issues we have, his generation and mine, is that it was very hard to convince American people that Cuba really was an enemy of the United States when Cubans did that. Yeah. 
Mm. I never seen my uncles. They died in Cuba. Yeah. The one uncle I did see that was my mom's brother. He came already late in his life, 70-something. We oh. convinced him to stay. He didn't stay. He wanted to be able to do daily visits to his wife, who was well, in a cemetery. Yeah, exactly. And he had to visit her and leave her flowers, so he just wouldn't go. Their kids left through Spain, this and this and that. Guess what? They ended up back in Cuba. Really? But a lot of people go back. Why? I think a lot of people. They can't like the bill. And they like the lifestyle sometimes. They, they, they don't have to work. Easy they stuff. pretend to pay them and they pretend to work. There's one guy, I just heard this story. Uh, yep. I'll just take it for a street talk. It was told to me like secondhand. Mm-hmm. Actually, my mailman told me. In his neighborhood, one guy, Dade County employee, 30 years here already, but not 30 years of your generation or mine, 30 years of wet foot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two years away from pension in Miami-Dade County, which is right. a decent pension. He leaves. He's on a bike in Cuba. <laughs> Just abandon everything. Really? Explain that freaking thing to me. Freedom is a huge burden. Not only freedom is a huge... Uh, but like people like comfort, too. You know, yeah, a bike, a bike, comfort in Cuba. The comfort, what I mean, comfort in of your like of where you are, that you feel comfortable where you're at, even yeah. though it's not the that, best. That's place part to of be it. At, that I know? can see why older people wouldn't want to leave. Well, yeah. Uh, but you know, if you're a young person, if you're about to retire, you you know you would you would want to stay in the U.S. I would think. Mm-hmm. But I would think, man. But you so know, I look a lot of people him. I think are scared of the U.S. now. Yeah. In, in ways, I think. You know, with what the you whole mean, what they should be. And, yeah, or look, just they have to work. They can't just rely on food stamps. And and with the whole like election in 2016, I saw like from in Spain, like from all my friends and stuff. You know, afraid of Trump. But because people don't, they don't necessarily understand. Like I had my views on Trump and everything. Now they've slowly changed in the sense that like I see, you know, the things he does and like how it's not so bad and this and that. Like I'm I'm more open to understanding certain things. But people there don't necessarily like in Spain. They don't necessarily understand it the same way that we don't have the same values we don't have the same ideas of how government should be run right. or, limited government you know that's... we have different ways of seeing things so a lot of people they're like damn i don't want to go to the u.s you know that's crazy and you know like, what i say to that you know good it's, <laughs> it's so scary like they're gonna stay you know, there for them they're immigrants per se yeah. so for them they have that idea oh i'm an immigrant let's say they're gonna you know kick me out or they're gonna you know that's not you true know. he loves immigrants he's married two of them oh yeah yeah he, if you're a lawful immigrant you're okay if you're an illegal you're illegal or whatever oh, well, that's it's what wrong. i said i came here like perfectly with my papers my parents and um, you know, my parents yeah, have their citizenship. Like they, you can if you want to. It's just like you have to go through the yeah, process. Yeah, but then you have, you have to pay to taxes and work and well, all that. that. But then, but that's why you're here at the end right, of the day. Right, I know. You don't stay right. in your country because because if it was good in your country, then you would have stayed in your country. That's what we say all the time. Right. You know? Then if you're coming here, it's because there's something here that you need more. So, you know. It's a magic. There's, there's something about the United States. That and people crave it. People crave it. Yeah. Well, States. some people, but others, it's a burden. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, you can stick and ask you, what did you do with yourself? You're free. What did you do with yourself? I'm going to tell you, Spanish people, they're better in Spain because they can do, you know, they're, here it's work, work, work. There it's like, to, work, siesta. Siesta. <laughs> siesta y la comida y el desayuno y el almuerzo right. y todo. You know, it's, you know, so it's that ¿Y, y qué parte de España uh, naciste? Yo en Valencia. Oh, Valencia, the home of your f- professor. Which professor? What are you, you told me about? the professor that argued with you que era medio comunista era valenciano. No, he's from FIU. But valenciano? No, he's from FIU. She's valenciana. Yo soy valenciana. The, the I'm going to check my text. FIU okay? is a, a sociology professor at and FIU. And I asked you, what descent is he, Cuban? And you oh, said. Oh, descent. I thought you meant her descent. No, no. Uh. Okay. No, no. He was, he's a <laughs> Jewish American. <laughs> Jewish American. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. N- 
the professor I had to run in with. Yes, he's a Jewish American. He told me that my family had come because we had been persuaded by American propaganda that Castro was bad. <laughs> Can you believe that, man? Yeah, I, I, yeah I went up to him. 33 años tenía I have no idea. Yeah. Well, he interviewed Fidel in 1960. Yeah. Looking back at it now, what? he looked like such a dumbass. Who? The guy who interviewed him. Oh. The interviewer, yeah. Fidel was talking English. It was the only time I've ever seen him talk English. Mm -hmm. I'm not communist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And the guy bought into it, patting him on his back. Right. It was saying, you're going to be good for Cuba. We can't wait to see right. what you've done. That, that was the thinking. Think they understood. Yeah, what they it, didn't like, understand. Like what it could mean to be like. Communist it's like not that. Jack Parr. Who's the other one? Uh, Jack, Jack, Johnny Carson, Jack Parr. I don't know anybody else. Okay, but uh, how about a competing channel? He's very known. Talk show guy. I'm not a talk show guy. Oh, come on. You're on the radio. What's up with you? <laughs> you brought me Candela. She got Candela. She was introduced by uh, the Venture City, which is a oh, tell us about incubator. There's uh, a, one of the things about Miami is that it is a growing tech scene. Right. And The Americas is... Uh, Yeah, Emer yeah, the uh, Emerge America. Americas is on today and tomorrow. And what's happening is that there are several what I call tech incubators. The first one is the Lab Miami in Wynwood. I would say the second one has been uh, the University of Miami Life Sciences Center. There's a Cambridge Innovation Center there. And then the Venture City is founded by a Spanish woman who worked in Silicon Valley. She has a fund, venture capital fund, and she has a place on Calle Ocho, around 22nd Avenue, which is like a, a WeWork type of place for tech startups. And then she has events there, and I went to one of those events, and they, one of the people I met there told me about Candela. So I thought it, if she's interested in media, this is a great opportunity for her to start. She's thinking of getting a, a graduate degree, and this would be a good, <laughs> good, uh, good item on her resume. To say and did you tell her experience. about Lisa Concepcion when she agreed to come here? What happened to her? Oh, Lisa Concepcion became a star, and then she has ignored WSQF ever since. So don't yes. do that. Remember us when you're a big star. Four months here with me. Yeah, Penelope Cruz is we always very nice to the people who helped her <laughs> when she was getting started. So remember that. Yes, I, uh, I met her on Facebook. She was a life coach. And I, she lived on Miami Beach, made her come out here. Took me a while to convince her, I think like two or three months of comments on her Facebook. Mm -hmm. And she agreed. Uh, for three months we were here, and you don't know, think about la lengua, so I was really delved into the machismo side of dating. Yeah. And I was debating her, and um, she has like a program to get people over the hump when they're not getting along or they're not meeting okay. the right guy, yeah. whatever. And I was saying things that I thought were really true. And it worked and worked and worked. And all of a sudden, she says, this is not, uh, not working. You're, co you're contradicting my philosophy. Because this is radio. This is yeah, going to work. Even though that's what it, you want in radio. People yeah, want that. the battle. Yeah. And she, she uh, around Christmas time, she disappeared on me. You know, she was nice about it. 
Christmas time last year. Yeah. 18. Is she doing her own show? Yeah, she is a star. Nine, now she's a star at 12.10 a.m. So kudos to you, Lisa. I'm very happy for you. Yes. And I knew that being here was going to do something. Turns out that a lot of people had told her she had a radio thing since growing up. Yeah. So those are things you never know what motivates someone to come here. Mm-hmm. I can be enthusiastic as all I want. I can't possibly know your story. Yeah. Why you finally say yes to me and come here is because something. Yeah. And in that case, it was apparently something. And she was kind of a... I always saw her as a Jennifer Lopez persona. Mm-hmm. But cubano y puertorriqueño siempre hay algo. Sí. You know? Dos de una paloma. So, that you're, yeah. So, I was a salsero, and sometimes I would contradict her. But, man, the chemistry was awesome. And we would laugh, and we'd crack up. That's, and, yeah, that's too and bad. Man, and somebody heard that. Heard, and liked her. And yeah. put it up on yeah. YouTube, and boom. there she's. they at. liked her. So, yeah. now she's on the VIP show, 9 through 12, and here I am promoting another radio station. You're, it's growing like gangbusters. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, 12:10 a.m. The man. The station means something then. People I believe so. Absolutely. And I think that's important. You know. So are you are you uh, committed? To how far away do you live from our our studio? Uh, not far. I live in like South Miami, around Sunset Place. Oh, and you can hear us. Yeah. Because you can hear us because off the coast here, all the way down east of U.S. Or along US? the water. He's east. I'm east. Yeah. East of you as well, okay. <laughs> All the way down to Pine Crest, you can hear us. Oh, okay. Then I'll, yeah. well, you, it's better on WSQFradio.com. Yeah. WSQFradio.com is the, the live stream. Good, yeah. So if you're outside of that area, I just said, we are, our circle, a lot of it is unfortunately consumed by water. Yeah. But it since travels further out of It travels south better than north. Yeah. North, the buildings bother me. Yeah, that's true. But where you live, Grove, East Gables, uh, Pinecrest, South Miami, and I, the around Perrine, I've okay. heard I've heard my music perfectly. Okay, rock and roll without commercials, only in the age of okay, Trump. I think South I probably, Beach. I think I've probably heard it. I think I might have. Ninety four point five. What? Maybe not this year, but like you have a rock and roll boyfriend. No, no, no. no, you no. We've been out for two years, I think. For two years, maybe because there are not that many rock and roll like stations. With, I'm the only rock with, and roll station. There you go, without commercials. Without commercials. All stations have commercials, so yeah. I'm pretty sure I've stumbled either me or my dad. All right, we're going to bring your dad is, in the yeah. studio. We're going to make him a rock and roller. <laughs> See, th- that's the thing. Uh, some man comes up to me one day and says, hey, you got a radio station? I go, yeah, the, the good stuff. <laughs> and he tips his cane to me. All he goes right. like that. He goes, the good stuff. He holds up his cane. I go, yeah. You never know. I'm see, walking on the beach and I hear rock and roll on the beach. And that's your station? The, and it's our station on. But see, that's why like this kind of media is the media that's important. You know? Just media where people can come and share their opinions and their thoughts and stuff. Well, it's, it's really only important if you register Republican and stop voting for those idiots. <laughs> I I don't vote here. So. Well, she's not yeah, a that's right. She has that, the paper problem. A couple more years. Yeah. So that means Maybe you got to be here minute. for two years. And then I'll take you to the post office and we can register together. Absolutely. <laughs> One of one of my first converts, I was in my twenties, a black guy I met at uh, Miami Dade College, ended up becoming my closest friend, and his last name is White. It was really cool, really really uh, cool. His father was a pastor, so he had conservative inner mm. workings, yeah. but everybody's a Democrat, right? Yeah. So I converted him, man, right around twenty-two, <clears throat> right at uh, his first registration. And he's met, a Repu- he he became a hardcore Republican. He wrote a book. Uh, with a pseudonym like a white guy. Uh, uh, what was his name again? He wrote a great book. Uh, work like a, uh, act like a Mexican. 
believe like an American. <laughs> oh, good. No, no, work like a Mexican, act like an American. Right, That's right. what it was. Work like a Mexican, <laughs> act like an American. And he gave himself like this real cracker name. Not John Smith, but something similar. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And he went to the Republican convention with me in 2012, and he invites me. He had better relationships than I had. He was so conservative out of Georgia. He got yeah, me sure. into the floor of the Georgia delegation when my Floridians didn't do that for me. In, in 2012, in, that's in, what Romney. Yeah, in yeah the, I was there, and I, uh, I'm very proud of, of making him a Republican. Okay. Because the party of lies is the DNC, the Demokami Party. Well, in 2020, are you going to go to Charlotte? Why not? I, we got to go. I've got a place to stay, so we got to go. My <laughs> wife is going to come. Um, and... I, actually, Spend a week. my brother and my father have both been delegates. I want to be a delegate. I think it's time. Absolutely. I have the bona fides. I remember going... You're a Trumpster. You're a I'm Trumpkin. a Trumpster now. I was a Ted Cruz person. Well, right? so was I, but that's okay. We both... We, that's how we actually... No, we met during Convention of States. Convention but anyway, of States. Yeah. That was the common thread between us. So I go to be a delegate, and you have to interview to be a delegate. So I'm sitting there at the table, and they look at me with these beady eyes like... And it wasn't because I wasn't a Trumpster. He had already won Florida, so you had to be a Trumpster to yeah. get, be a delegate. Because you have to pledge allegiance to him. Mm -hmm. But you can change the vote by law in our, in our party laws, which are not federal laws. Mm -hmm. We can change our votes in the convention. Oh, after the first vote, right? Or, or Yeah, you're right. In Florida, the first vote, you have to vote for the candidate. Right. But if okay. he doesn't get the majority of the other states, then you vote again. Now it's all you. Okay. And Flo not all states are like that, but right. Florida is. Yeah. So I'm interviewing, and they're looking at me with these face. And it's not because I was not a Trumpster. You know why? It's because I wasn't. I was a Ted Cruz. Oh, I wasn't a Rubio. They thought, yeah. oh, they didn't, yeah. yeah. Right? So then mm -hmm. I'm interviewing them. They're giving the snark, and I walk out. It was in the cigar shop, by the way. It was in mm -hmm. the Oliva factory. Oh, sure. Jose Oliva, oh, yeah. the Speaker of the House. That's right now, yes. So I walk out of there, and I see all my political elected guys. And I go, you guys just didn't give me a chance. He goes, well, what are the chances of you becoming a delegate today? Look how many people that are here. I go, there's something fishy here, man. The way I was treated was just not right. And that's it. And guess what? Who became delegates of Florida of the 26? Oh, the Rubio. Uh, the market. guys who were interviewing me. Ah, okay. <laughs> they, they became delegates themselves. Because they were like, no one's good enough. No, well, because they want to be. They oh, wanted to go. They were like, we're, okay. And now they're going to want to go even more in 2020. And they, were, and they weren't any more Trump than I yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, they were, They're going to want to go even more. It's going to be even harder to be a delegate in 2020 because everybody's going to want to be a delegate. Everybody's going to want to jump on the Trump train. What does a delegate do? Delegate is actually vote for president. Vote no, vote for the nomination for the nominee. Okay. So that every no, state within the party, within yeah, the party. within the party. Okay. Right? Yes, you actually put your party up. I will go as the representative of WSQF Radio. That ninety four point five. You got to take this whole thing with you. Yeah. Oh no, you'll see my new business cards. My son mm -hmm. has made me some new business cards. And what you have? Uh, yes, we have that. Oh, that's nice. This is Catalan, pero el micrófono es el acento. I never would have thought it's of that. It's a really nice logo. I do, it I could do be like Cambo, C-A-M-B-E-A-U. That would be the French pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. Or spelling. Cambo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you're not a feet enough to be French, so you're, you're Catalan. No, you know what? Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> it was said uh, in this minor... I don't know, $150 study we did for my family. We were Cambon, Galbon. B-O-N. And there's, on the other side of the Pyrenees Mountains, on the French side, yeah. mm -hmm. there's Cambon de Essex. 
de, de Sons. Cambo de Sons. De Sons. De Sons. De Cambo. Yeah. Slash. Sons. De Sons. And those were the originally us. And then, yeah, you guys went down south. We went to Catalonia claro. because no, uh, we're kind of Muslim. Yeah. No, no, you're I'm kind not. Of, I'm kind of Muslim. Sí. No, but Islam is not an ethnic group. It's an ideology. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, moro, I, eres más moro. That's what you're saying. No, no, no. Bueno, eres, eres yo, yeah, yo soy muy moreno. Morena. Pero no eres musulmán. Yo soy medio. Yo soy asturiano. Asturiano. Bueno, los asturianos que son muy norteños. Yeah, y muy y altos. Muy, y muy altos. Y, y feo y, muy, y, blanco. Blanco. Sí, y muy blancos. Y también. Y tengo también un bisabuelo que era irlandés que mm -hmm. se escapó de la justicia en Irlanda y vino a Oviedo. A Oviedo. Eso también. Ah. <risa> no, pero es verdad que todos los españoles, al fin y al cabo, quieras o no, eres moro. O sea, tienes algo de moro de, porque... De Noráfrica. Claro, porque es normal. En un, en un momento España era... Todo moro, moro, era moro. 800 años. Claro. Bueno, aparentemente dejamos la N, Cambón, y nos hicimos católicos y haciendo la O. Claro. Goodbye. There you are. And what, okay, so that, and then your family didn't, your, your entire family didn't come from Cuba? Uh, from directly? Eh, uh, nos, soy descendiente de uno que se llama Francesc Cambón, que era tresorero del rey. El hermano hizo mis abuelos. Mm. Franco lo exilió los dos. Él fue a Cuba. Francesc, they were exiled by fue, Franco? Really? Uh, After the Civil War? <coughs> well, he was the minister of finance for yeah. a lawyer. He was the lawyer for Catalonia. Right. Who wanted to be a state. Right. La ciudad, él era el abogado de la ciudad de, de, right. de Barcelona. De Barcelona. Y también escribió la ley nacionalmente, la ley bancaria de toda España en el, dieci, el 12 o 17. Was he expelled oh. by Franco? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Entonces estaba en Barcelona, que a los catalanes los llevaban muy así en ese momento. Yeah, y, uh, so they went día, to Cuba. Día, that was a good place to go. La prominencia del, de la fortuna se quedó en, en España. Claro. Museo Cambó, Instituto Cambó. Oh. Yeah, when you go to Barcelona, you should tell them you know Cambó, and they'll treat you really well. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, yo me voy. Yo tengo que ir allá. Yo, yo fui en el 82, <laughs> y donde yo, yo... Ah, no tiene nada que ver. Tienes que... O sea, ahora yeah, we should go. We should plan a trip after the Republican convention. <laughs> uh, yo nunca me recuerdo, nunca se me olvida entrar en un restaurante solamente con... No el pasaporte, solamente el carnet de manejar sí. de los Estados Unidos. Digo, señor, uh, esto está muy lleno. ¿Cuánto es la espera? And I say my name. You got a table right away with your name? Siéntate, siéntate, claro. Además, los catalanes son, los que son, se sienten catalanes, they support todos los que son catalanes. Yeah. ¿Sabes? Es como una hermandad al final para ellos. Ellos se sienten, porque siempre han estado muy oppressed, ¿no? Por, por Franco y por todo lo que pasó. Los catalanes al final se sienten en familia, porque dicen, si no nos tenemos a nosotros, ¿a quién tenemos? Entonces, supongo sí, que será esa... Le mandas un fax en español y vuelve en catalán. <ríe> sí, totalmente. Así es. Y le frustras a ustedes, porque ustedes no, no leen catalán. Si eh. tuvieran huevos y sesos, escribirían en inglés. <ríe> eh, pero Mira, yo, yo al ser valenciana, yo entiendo el catalán perfectamente, porque yo entiendo el valenciano. Mi, mi, madre, mi padre y mi madre hablan valenciano. Yo no lo hablo fluente ni nada, pero lo hablo. O sea, lo entiendo you know, y puedo comunicar un poco. That's like a Texas draw... We're listening yeah. to our guests. Please. I know, I know, I know. Porque lo, lo, los valencianos y los catalanes son similares. Sí, somos muy parecidos, pero el idioma, por así decirlo, el idioma catalán y el valenciano son iguales, solo que hay algunas pronunciaciones que son un poco diferentes o hay algunas palabras que cambian, pero al fin y al cabo, la base del idioma es, lo, es la misma. 
Entonces yo, por así decirlo, sí que entiendo. Yo, a mí me hablan, en, si no me hablan muy rápido en catalán, yo puedo leerlo, lo entiendo todo. Pero... You know, you know, one of my relatives participated in the reconquest of Valencia in the 1200s. Mm -hmm. Rodrigo Vidal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, didn't, I, you know, I just, I'm not a freeloader in, in the reconquest. I was part of the uh, offensive. Right? Yeah. So But, there. Um, okay, so, now we're back to English. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And Blink Radio, we want to be known well, as should, bilingual uh, radio. Yeah. But so, I should say that uh, we, we want to send our best wishes to uh, John Lofgren's mother. John was going to call in during this third segment, but he had to go to the hospital with his mother where she was admitted. So he's not going to be calling in today. But we want to wish Best wishes uh, to his for mother. John's mother. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I, uh, I feel that concern because I, I live with someone who's uh, suffering from Alzheimer's. Uh -huh. So that, and that could be me any day. Yes. But um, so we still got to figure out what, how are we going to make Candela famous here? <laughs> well, I think Candela should have her own show. And, you know, one hour is to start. And uh, she needs to have a, a theme. And now, so far, the theme is environmental issues. But, but I, I would I mm, wanted to say because I was th I was thinking about ahead. this while you guys were talking about something else. I think we're gonna we're seeing a conversion right here. here well we that she's <laughs> gotta talk about both sides. You know the But um the, well, actually I, sh put your hat on her. I want to see how it looks. Oh <laughs> it's really big. Oh America looks great again. Look at that. <laughs> Here. Okay, good. Thank so you. America <laughs> looks great again. You know, if you take a picture of her and you post it on Facebook, she'll lose all her friends. No, because I'm handsome. No, okay. no, no. Okay. What's up? We're just get out of hell. No, right. but what I wanted to say is that um, what the reason why I'm I like environmental, that I'm interested in environmental issues is because wildlife conservation is what I find to be very important, and I think that you know it goes hand in hand. You know, conserving the wildlife and you know looking at you know the issues with the environment. You know, those are two things that are very. There's no doubt it's important. Yeah. So long as <laughs> we're not blamed. Well, no, re remember what Larry said, that prosperous societies that innovate and grow are better able to take care of the environment. But there are certain people that are to blame. Like, we're not to blame in this Well, yeah, the sugar people who, who right. dump no, the fertilizer. Yeah, right. whether it's the large corporations or whether it's this. Not no. large corporations generally. No, but some But large, some do, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, I think I'll it would be interesting you, to talk From my experience in Brazil, a lot of the environmental abuse goes on, not necessarily from large corporations, although that happens in Brazil too, but it's from uh, informal mining or informal uh, agriculture. Or where government the nobody, when they spill or, right, or the copper government, ore right, into that, a river. The, 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 the uh, EPA in the United States Shh. did that. So you ha you can't just blame it all on corporate greed. There's lots no. of government greed and, and small farmers yeah, and, and you know the indigenous people are not taking care oh, of their the, land. The poor people. Right. If you, look at, ways if you look at no, mining and all the people mining. who protest, you see what they leave behind? Well, yeah. right, yes. That's a, Cardboard it, boxes. It, in no, Brazil, because there's not a safe or a, 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 a sure rule of law, a lot of the informal mining is environmentally terrible yeah. because they just use whatever it means and they don't fill it up again. Like in West Virginia, sometimes they'll take off the top of a mountain, get the coal out, and then they'll put the, the top of the mountain back and grow some trees. Yeah. So that's what you do. When yeah. you're a wealthy country, you can no afford to do that. Because no one's saying that you can't use the resources right. that you have available, just can't exploit them to that extent. Like, you have to be able, because, you know, the resources don't regenerate as quick as we use them, so it's kind of just like saying, okay, what can we do to make sure that we are sustainable with how we use our resources? Like, no one's saying 
you know, don't grow crops, but maybe like grow certain crops that you know we need then other things that are better for the ecosystem, you know? Like now, look at California. They don't allow any trimming of the forest. So then when something goes wrong you have even worse uh, fires. fires and then the power grid goes down and then you blame the power grid and now PG and E is proposing to just remove all of their high transmission wires. Well, if they do that, there won't be any fires, but there won't be any electricity too. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, ama- it's it's really amazing. Uh, the uh, the uh, you know the answer to our ills has to only be lower the cost so that you can apply it more often. Mm-hmm. In other words, like for instance, solar power, it'll never run industry no. ever. But it's man, make it. Make it, produce it, and make it so that everybody can have it on it's their home. Well, yeah, yeah. But the problem with solar and wind is that it's not reliable. See, when you're an electric like consumer, Trump would say, "Oh, honey, right, it hasn't been exactly sun today. Right. I can't watch when, movies." When you're like you, a big user of electricity, whether it's consumers or a, a factory, manufacturing uses a lot of electricity. You need consistent and reliable sources and torque, torqueability. Okay, so only petroleum. Natural Only gas. Crude, natural it, gas. Natural can gas. Drive that's, the, that's the best the tor- way. The torque needed yep. to run a factory. Right. You need to be able to like <clears throat> light up a Christmas tree. Yeah, you can use solar power for that. But you can't light up a building, you right. know, for three hundred and sixty five days. Now there is something that's really cool that was invented for NASA. What's that? It's called Bloom Energy. If you Google Bloom Energy, mm-hmm. you'll see that someone is con- uh Someone is literally taking the electrons out of air and creating power. And they, oh, run, wow. it, they run it through like a Rubik's Cube. And they're now powering, I believe it's powering one of the Google buildings right now as we speak. Oh. And okay. it was a Google building? A, one of the big glass wow. Google buildings. Well, you know, Google has this big a solar farm in the desert in California, but it's frying all the birds. It, so it is? yes, I didn't know that. oh yeah, look it up. Yeah, it's killing the birds. It's Wind, killing windmills. Bir- was the stupidest oh, thing. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's solar, but also <coughs> windmills kill birds. No. So one way or the other, you're having environmental degradation. Well, yeah, but I guess it's just finding ways to kind of like find that like in between. Na- natural know? gas, it's plentiful. It's there's plenty in the in, in the and center Sarah, of the earth. And Sarah Palin said so. Absolutely, and everybody she abused her. Drill baby you were, drill. <clears throat> she, you, she, you must have been like. Well, that was teens. when we had this idiot. You didn't president. even know who Sarah Palin is. I, I know. Yeah. I know the name. She's a beautiful, a beautiful, vivacious vice president candidate that everybody abused when she was running against three people who were never governors. Right. Oh, okay. Obama wasn't. Biden wasn't. And her running mate, John McCain, wasn't. They're embarrassing her because she's saying that the future is natural gas. And everybody's like saying, yeah, right. Well, guess what? We're the number one natural gas producer in the world. And now we're the number one energy producer in the entire world. And we were always the number one producer in the world, but we couldn't produce it. Yeah, It's the saddest thing. And now, uh, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I hope your generation saves itself from us, the idiots. Because you just drill, baby, drill. And become so self-sufficient that you sell for two dollars a gallon, and you're paying fifty cents a gallon. Yeah. Because you just drill, man. The other and point Canada too has uh, the other the point. Yeah, well, in Canada, there's been a problem with Alberta has uh, had a government that didn't allow drilling, but there's yeah. a new election that has a new government that's yeah, going right. to be cranking as far as they can. The other point about gasoline is that the internal combustion engine is being made more efficient all the time. So where you used to need like a eight-cylinder or a six-cylinder car, you'll get the same power with a four-cylinder car. So that's another example of how 
Oil and gas is going to okay, be around for go. a long time. I'm going to read uh, go ahead. right off the Bloom Energy website. And I remember uh, the father's from India, educated in the United States. <clears throat> and um, he held a, like a really big, uh, to decide what we're going to name this. And the, the whoever got the name right was on a free trip and this and this and that. Well, they, when he decided on Bloom Energy because it was so popular, it turns out it was his son who submitted the name. Great. And he had to give his son all the perks, and all the employees had to vote. Yeah. <clears throat> Everybody agreed. They had to give it to the son who wasn't even an employee. But anyway, that's how I remember the story. So um, our customized Bloom Energy server platform enables you to personalize your energy, allowing you to grow your business without disruption, meet substance, uh, sustainability goals, and reduce your carbon footprint. Bloom Energy Servers are a foundation of the next generation of energy solutions, whether it's a, a data center that requires mission-critical power or retail chain looking to reduce the demand changes or a microgrid powering a campus or a city, we're able to provide lower and predictable energy costs and enhance reliability, all the while reducing carbon emissions, delivering better on electrons. Now, I don't have the faintest idea what I just read. Okay. Reducing carbon emissions is not necessarily such a great deal. I mean, that that can be carbon capture is uh, emerging technology. So I wouldn't. We're get in over five hundred sites globally, and we're easily and widely deployed and trusted on Site Power as a Site Power partner. Um, I think they have to supplement an already existing supply. See, that's the thing about there's the uh, there there's the cube the Rubik's cube. See it? Yeah. Okay. See here, that's the issue about alternative energy. It's not reliable, so you have to have natural gas, and then you have to supplement it. Okay. It's based on a proprietary, a proprietary solid oxide fuel cell technology to convert fuel into electricity through an electrochemical process without combustion at the highest efficiency of any power solution available. So I'm giving you a topic matter for you to research, yeah. and that's your first show right there. That's the Absolutely. whole reason why I did the this. The show will be on Bloom Energy. That's okay. good. And uh, it, sir, it produces 200 to 300 kilowatts of power in a footprint roughly the equivalent of, a, of that of a half a standard 30-foot shipping container. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Now, when he invented this, he invented it for a space capsule. Yeah. And they rejected him. But he already had invented it. So he figured he'd use it here. He was going to use space electrons, which apparently were more dense up there. Okay. okay. Yeah. And it worked then. So they said that the cost was not correct. So he reversed the process for Earth. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the process was for space, but because of gravitational yeah. pull, he reverses it yeah. on Earth, and he turns it into this thing. And I, who saw the program, didn't invest in them. Did and not I, invest? And how now, and how long they're ago? Public, they're publicly traded. How long ago was this? 50, 20 years ago. Oh, okay, wow. And I feel like a total nimwit. So they've been developing this for like 20 years. Woo! And they're on the exchange already. And where are they supplying electricity? The places that they've already installed, uh, I'd have to uh, look into this thing intensely, which would give us radio dead air. So unless you're willing to talk while I read, uh, it's fuel flexible. It creates, it doesn't tell me here unless I click on one of these babies and describe. No, I guess it doesn't click here. This could be a good topic. Not only that, about. but uh, installing uh, installing this when you're getting ready to build a complex or a campus or a yeah, series of buildings. Like a big, yeah. But I think that alternative energy is kind of a supplement. So you you can you still need the basic 
oil and gas or you know natural gas Look, fire it's, only, it's, only, it's only thirteen dollars a share oh okay well so there's still there's still time to uh this is uh the 29th uh, 2019 <clears throat> quote from uh, and three million shares sold uh today how about them apples how about that uh so yeah that's where i think i would like to see energy talk about how it can make money period okay. right and nobody can show us because the windmills was a disaster the cost for that freaking windmill which one uh the ge windmill mm. so we're hundred thousand dollars just to find a site to put the well $200, mo- most windmill. most alternative energy works only because of government mandates tax credits loan guarantees or some other government subsidy so the real question is can it work on its own can be it be economical on its own well one place there's got to be places where it's so windy that uh wind yeah. power west, and de- is so yeah. desolate west, west texas but then they're drilling for oil and gas there there's a lot of windmills in spain and like yeah the outsides of they've always had it like yeah. more like in the inside because don quixote used to yeah tilt like that right by the little town where my which is like two hours, like inwards of southern Spain, or no, 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 no like Valencia, which is east yeah. Spain, like east all the way Madrid. on the coast. If you just go like all the way in for two hours, you get to my grandma's little town, like tiny, tiny little town, with like no more than two hundred people, even less. And what one windmill running the whole time? No, and and on the drive there, you see just windmills and windmills. Well, and windmills. in Cuba, we used to have a windmill in the on the on the roof of our house, azotea. There used to be a lot of windmills. Now, your windmill was generating power, or was it for some other reason? I think it was um, probably generating power, yeah. but... Really? Yeah. I think, right, that's the point. Or maybe just mechanical happened. for, like, drawing water or something like that. That That's more likely. Yeah. I mean, I know that one's that was only nine, definitely so for generating know. power. But they've been there for a while. Like, a long while. About 30 years, 40 years? Since I've been... Since I have early memories, I would say since then. Windmills oh. have been there since yeah, 1500s. I, yeah. Well, Don Quixote. I I, 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 mean, I'm not debating that, but not part of individual uh, systems, not part of electrical grids. Just right. Windmills powering a small town or all the towns. You know, I, I would have to like look into it, but. Well, they 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 power I a mill. I mean, but you know, I think it's part of the big like energy grid. companies. Yeah, in Spain, in Spain has a lot of that. Yes, yeah. yes, you they know, do. In Spain, because Iberdrola, which is one right. of them. Um, for example, when you watch the commercials, like this is me from like watching the commercials, a lot of the visuals are the windmills. So I'm guessing some of them do like, you know, they own. Yeah, them it'd be like nice that. to know how, what the cost ratio was. Sure, I'm sure mm-hmm. that the end consumer was benefiting, but was the power company getting subsidies to to remain open, or were they profiting? And is was it profitable or? Was there an energy tax that every house, own, that every well, property? Well, yeah, you have to pay every, yeah, every month. Well, the monthly bill, yes. Well, yeah. But I'm talking about the... A tax, a subsidy. Yeah. yeah I, that's the issue. You know, I don't know. I, I, I would have there to There you like, go. More, to, more yeah. for your show. Yeah, I would have what to What would you call your show? I don't know. I was thinking about that. Um, I'd have to give it more thought into that. Ed? We can't, you can't say... Ask Candela because we already have two. No, other, no, 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 no. We're, we already just, have two other no, shows. I'm, I'm thinking name. about something to use my name. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Candela's Cl- Cl- climate. Candela. <laughs> climate. Climate with Candela. Or 
I was going to say climate apocalypse with Candela. <laughs> or Candela Caliente Life. No, no. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. Remember, I think there's a big deal. He's no, no, porque imagine. <laughs> I'm going to give it some thought and I'm probably Absolutely. Going to something. But I think the important thing is that you present both sides and that you stick to empirical evidence. Well, a lot yeah. of times the environmental extremists are relying on computer models yeah. and projections. Yeah. Whereas the empirical evidence is not as bad as they make it out to be. Yeah. And I, again, I say their motives very often are anti-capitalist. Yeah. And if you look at the, the Paris climate meeting, which was chaired by a Spanish bureaucrat, I forgot her name, but she said in Spanish and English that they wanted to reverse the last 150 years of industrial development. But you can't, that's impossible. Well, but that's what she said. But you can't do that. I know, but that's she unrealistic. said it. That's she said it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they want to do. And it's not just... That's uh, unrealistic. I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, nobody they, would they, say well, that. When, I, when we attended this conference... You she, had a conference here on... In, at the Ocean Club, yeah. Okay. We, and um, it's on YouTube. You can see it on the Mac on the Rock Rampage uh, video channel, YouTube channel. And she said that the last time we had this type of climate change was 1922 to 1936. Mm -hmm. And we had sea level rise, but we didn't have CO2 emissions. Right. Yeah. Therefore, it's a big lie. Yeah. The whole else thing's is a free. I mean, right. It's Mother Earth. Yeah, Earth is greater than humans right. will ever be. And the sun in particular. The sun. Yeah. Freaking I mean, yeah. we do definitely, I think, have a certain impact on the way that, you know, the Earth. Zero. On temperature, zero. Not, no, not maybe not temperature, but, you know. Quality we, of water, that's yeah, it. Yeah, but we have, like, done a lot of things to the Earth to make it the way, like, it wasn't the way it is now. Not because there was climate change back then does that mean that, you know. There's plenty of greenery now. No, there thing. is. And like I was telling you before, you know, I don't know the specific numbers, but I, I read this article that said that there is more green now than right. there was like five or six years ago. Because CO2 promotes green. Of you know? course. And CO2 is, has nothing to do know, with there anything. Are, like, there are things that I think, you know, I mean, it depends how you look at it, but there I mean, in everyday little, like... You know, you know, when you all say that the climate, the climatologists say that the the North Pole is shrinking? Mm -mm. No, man. The South Pole enlarges when the North Pole shrinks because the orbit of the Earth is off. Yeah. It goes off its axis by God knows what measurement they use. But... But it eventually, it's upside down. The whole planet starts spinning upside down. In other words, when North is North and when South mm -hmm. is South, it becomes North-South. Yeah. And we don't even notice it here on the Earth. We're just spinning upside down like that, yeah. eventually, over thousands of years. But now, there's also oil paintings in the 1580th or so, around 1580-something, the River Thames was yeah, frozen. 1660s, yeah. 1660s. Were and that's when everybody came to America. And it parties. wasn't for the religion. Yeah. It was because everybody was starving. No, yeah, it was but skating then, parties. But yes. then it, it is interesting, like, for example, when you're in Montreal and it starts snowing, like, in late December, and, yeah, and you, but that's one year. And no, but it has been the past three years that I've been there. Like right before I got there, the that that year before I moved to the uh, to Montreal, I don't know in Fahrenheit, but in Celsius, it was negative forty during an entire month. And then I got there, and that first year, I barely had to wear like my big jacket at all that year. It's the candela, candela Yeah, the Candela effect. <laughs> no, it's no. Candela. Listen, we've been, candela well, we're in Texas. That's a good name, the Candela the effect. The Candela effect. The yes. Candela effect. That's the end. That's, that's the name. That's it. That's a good name. <laughs> when we were in Texas, we had the polar vortex. Yeah. And that came down. And, you know, it, it's, it, temperature I mean, changes. But temperature does change. But I think there, 
I mean, I guess I would have to do a lot more research and really like yeah, know what I'm talking about because no, I have no idea. You us, know what man. the polar vortex uh, drink in Texas is? It's a highball. You take a highball glass, you fill it with crushed ice, and you put in one jug jigger of uh, lime. A lime. And one jigger of tequila, and then you fill up the glass with fracking fluid. You know what fracking fluid no. is? When you do fracking, you take uh, fluid, you water with a little bit of uh, gum and salt and uh, sand, and you inject it, pressurize it into the rock, yeah. and it breaks the rock, and it releases oil and gas. Oh, fracking fluid, so and wait, you can drink it. Is it smoky? Is that what it? Is? Yeah, yeah, it can be. But if you if you yeah, yeah. inject it really hard, and that's like that's breaks, a, a yeah, polar yeah. vortex. Yeah. Tequila, ice, um, a little lime, and then fracking fluid. Yeah. So I guess maybe we could say there you my, go. my show could be about finding out why. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Candela effect. You the guys, Candela you effect. Na- you nailed it. Yeah. <clears throat> I know we'd get to it somehow. But yeah, what? maybe this could be a talk, like a show about, you know, why and understanding and, yeah. why the media says certain things and what the, like, you know... Ma- studies show and you Manny know. you should get some of the people that were at the uh, sea level rise conference here in Key Biscayne as well, well one of them was the founder of Greenpeace who's now in his get late him. 60s get him he Where was is supporting he? the speaker is he living here no he just came to attend it okay. he was like one of the guests I think he was going to speak at let's Diddy. get him we'll get we'll call him up I'll call him up if you want or I can, I'll be her executive producer and get some people to call in but give me their names and I'll follow up yeah, the Greenpeace founder is the guy who used to, you know, protect the whales and all that. Nuke he, the whales, I say. And he was sitting at my table, and I could tell that he was very measured. And I was saying, is this guy for or against this speaker? And he's frowning. Then he leans into someone, who's probably some other scientist. And then we were at a table of, I don't know, 10 people. And there was, I don't know, 20 of those tables. So there was 200 of us sitting there. Wow, that's a big group. Yeah, that yeah. is a big group. And uh, we were sitting there, and... and we were. I was thrilled because I knew who the liberals were in the in the room with me. Like, I'll watch this guy's not. Gonna, this guy's gonna get up and leave. That guy's gonna start crying. The other guy's gonna shake and fall off his chair, because I knew all these people politically. And sure enough, man, boom, stand up, frowning, shaking in his chair like Mad. that, pissed yeah. off because she had the evidence. It's this much, yeah. two pennies she it, put up. Yeah. That's how much slip was gonna rise was by twenty forty. Right now, oh, really, that's the evidence. That much. <laughs> Now, yeah. guess what? Oh, okay. Guess what? There's a huge bathtub over by Maine all the way to the United Kingdom of water that spins it by itself away from the rest of the ecosystem. It's like okay. a hole, right? If that gets warm because of the volcanoes in the North yeah. Pole burn right through one of the ice caps and mm-hmm. it falls in the bathtub, now you've got the opposite. It what? starts freezing, and the water, water is down. cold as hell. Yeah. And everybody's the, cold, and everybody's cold and freaking out. And, and she says that's opposite that global warming, right? Because There's it's a, a real bathtub. It's that. a huge, deep bathtub. And guess what? Those people will probably experience. Um, a lot more, yeah. That's why uh, Denmark and all these countries have already li- lifted up Left, their, yeah. their levees, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're in the bathtub. Yeah, they're more. Yeah. Okay, so she starts going methodically and puts, and you can see the video that I've edited. I show her screens. And I try to do everything under seven, eight minutes. I know the concentration time is not more than a minute. So mm-hmm. by going an eight-minute video, who knows how many people I lose. Yeah. But I just do it for information, and I edit it in a way that makes it somewhat fast-paced. But she'll get you to the point where this is the premise that they say, and it really is about stealing money from the United States. Right. Or lying and stealing. Right. M- make us pay for our industrial 
so we're so ahead of everybody else. Our industrial success. We pay for everybody else to develop right. clean energy. That's what the Paris Climate yeah. Accord was. That's all the Paris Climate Accord. So, so Bush, the Trump so said it was Trump, right to get out of it. I personally have to say I have to do a lot more research on all of Do it, but you got to give us the names of those people. Do you have like yeah. a list of the participants and the speakers? And nah. Nah. It's around the internet? Oh, I'm sure. I can find it. Yeah, why don't you see? That would be I good. I can find uh, I'll, yeah. be, I'll help none of them were, call none of, the, none of them were local or anything. And remember, they can call in. I, I'll there's another. Them. There's another gentleman in Canada who gave a presentation in Canada. Okay. You'll see the YouTube videos there, and you listen to that for 40 minutes, and believe me, honey, you're going to change entirely how you think, because that guy just nails you so many different ways. You're just yeah. like, so how did this stuff ever get this So your concern was that uh, you don't want Key Biscayne to be underwater. You want to know what's going to happen, right? I already know it's flooding. I live on the ocean, yeah. so my backyard is the ocean. So yeah. I have a video <laughs> where it's coming in. Right. Yeah. I just see it coming in. So I'm not debating. That it's... I just don't... I know that it's not us. It has to do with God. He feels like it, it's happening, <laughs> and that's it. And I'm not... And that's finding out what it all is. All I do is just lift the damn seawall. Yeah. And since I'm the only one who hasn't, because my house is the oldest in the neighborhood, I'm a funnel. So it's more ex- uh, extreme to my eyes. It would be like... Because my neighbors are new. Right. There's a mansion to the right of me and a mansion to the left. They've got their seawalls higher. So my my st- it would be like right all to me. Yeah, it all comes to me, and I sit there and I'm talking on the video. Hey, you sea level rise freaks! You think humans did this? And I, it's you know, in 30 minutes you can see it. That yeah. I'm not in 30 minutes, in, uh, half a minute. Like I don't know. I think the videos can't remember. Oh, yeah. I have 230 of them. I, don't, I just edit them and I do them on my phone and I put them up. This was like two or three minutes, and you can see the waters in my house, man. Yeah. And we have a pool that's elevated. But the that's my like second. That's yeah. my second wall. Yeah. So when the waves come in there, I've never seen it splash up against the pool except for during hurricanes. It never exactly. gets that far. But I do have about two feet that I just don't grow grass there. Yeah. I just leave rocks. Yeah, because yeah, and it goes over sense. the seawall. Yeah, that makes more sense. It goes yeah. into the rocks, and I just see that there. And uh, any full moon will put the water back in those uh, rocks. Of course. So of course. I realize that now. What I can't guarantee f- to you. Is did I see that when I was a kid? I don't remember. I don't think I did. I don't think I ever saw water go over the seawall like that unless it was a yacht that went by in the waves. Went yeah, in. or a hurricane like you said or something. Like that. Uh, yeah, well, in the hurricane, the first one I experienced was 92, oh, okay. and we were nowhere to be found. Man. We, we headed to Kendall and got hit straight in the face. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We actually moved into the storm. Because we went to 148th and 148th. Yeah, you'd be surprised with the storm. Sometimes and the storm went the there. It went to where That's we went. That's where you went. Yeah, yeah people. <laughs> yeah, I went people. into the storm. The people get afraid of the coast. And but you can't be here because if you're wrong, oh, it no, goes right over your done. head and you're drowning. No, you're done. You know? Well, I'm, we live west of uh, Dixie Highway for that reason. We didn't want to have to be in the evacuation zone. Yeah, stay in your house. Bunker down. Absolutely. We stayed. I stayed. Yeah, you're in, by Dayland. Yeah. 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 All right. So um, the last... Uh, comment we're going to make is that we've got a name for a show, The Candela Effect. Yes. That's just super It's awesome. a good name. Yeah. Absolutely like good name. I can't thank you enough for coming. Oh, thank you for having because, me. Because, you know, being with a caveman for so long, he thinks I'm a caveman. I think he's, you know, just a historical figure. <laughs> and, and the next show is yeah. now Statues and Stories. She knows about it. She's, she, she's, I, I, saw the, I mean, I saw the website a little bit. You like the statues of story? Well, Here we is, come. Well, this is Adam. You have to talk to Adam so I can change the file. But I have to go. Okay. You can go. So, right. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll be back. Right. Stay in touch, okay. with you guys. You bet. Stay and in touch. Uh, yeah.
Hello, Adam. Is that you? Adam, is that you for Statues and Stories? Good evening, everybody. Hello. Thank you for calling. All right. Well, give me a moment. Uh, talk about shallow things here because I've got to create a new file. So you're going to continue with the Paris theme. Correct. We're going to be talking about the founders in Paris. Okay. Wait a second. I got to do my. I got to close my uh, last recording. So this is the end of the Concrete Conservative WSQF. 94.5 with Mac on the Rock, Rampage, and Ed Vidal. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube, Mac on the Rock, Rampage. Take care and stay free.